Spencer, the final time for season two. That is it. That's it. It's a wrap. Season two, episode seven, Arriva Derchi. We've seen it. We've seen the finale. We know all the spoilers, all the ins and outs. Spencer, what'd you think of the finale? I have some no. I have no small measure of pride that I called some things right. One big home with the run. Fact. One five hundred foot home run. Yeah, and with nothing but strikeouts on everything else. Just like miss, yeah, it, 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 the ultimate resolution of the story. There was a few things we called. There's a few things we got right. There's a few things the internet saw coming, though maybe not to the right degree. But when I joke with my friends, like Spencer, who do you think is going to die? And I said, eh, it's going to be a mass casualty event. I wasn't expecting to be right in that way. Yeah, and it, you know the people who were really hanging on that word "guest" from Rocco. Yeah, they set missed, themselves up for failure. Yeah, they missed there because that was obviously Rocco just saying there's people basically. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know, man. We haven't we we've spoken about a lot of stuff um, in the interim because uh, last podcast I was with you guys. I was with I was in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, told you all about my my fun trip to Beverly Hills. I, I don't think I even told you told the the listeners what I got in Beverly Hills. Do you want to know what I got in Beverly Hills, Spencer? What I, you bought something in Beverly Hills? I did for sure. What what overpriced monstrosity did you get in that town? Bagel and a coffee. <laughs> was it the best bagel and coffee ever? No, it was a regular bagel. That's what I got in Beverly Hills. I also seem to have gotten COVID somewhere along the line. So I have COVID. <laughs> best Beverly Hills um, so We're a day right late there. recording because ba- I didn't have a voice yesterday. Because you can tell my voice is a little off today, but I will do my best. Why, Spencer? Podcast professional. Podcast Always. professionals. Yeah, so we're going to go through. We have to do the finale. I mean, there was just no way we weren't going to come back. Sick, not sick. Traveling, not traveling. We were always going to be here. Matter of fact, Spencer in a suit today. It's not a visual podcast, but I can tell everybody in a suit. Hasn't even loosened his tie. Walked in straight from work to do the podcast. That's how excited we are to talk to you about the finale of season two of White Lotus. We have not discussed with each other our overall thoughts. Like if you liked it, didn't like it. Spencer, did you think it was a good finale? Like where, where does it rank for you? This is in the category of finale of where watching it live, I enjoyed it. It wasn't world changing for me. It wasn't the best television I ever watched. Damn. I'm more looking forward to talking about this though than almost anything we have ever talked about. Yeah, this is the ca- this is the category the show falls in for me. Watching it in the moment, it's enjoyable, it's fun, it's satirical, it's interesting, it's well written, all things to write home about. But as a water cooler show, it's almost beyond compare. Just to discuss and unpack and just vent about things with friends about what went down this week. And that's why, I mean, that's exactly what season one was, right? Like, I think that that's what they're going for to a certain extent, is they want to be a show that you talk about. I will say it's extremely well written. I thought season two was better than season one. I agree. Um, I thought there was more going on. I think they were a little bit more ambitious and it paid off in a lot of areas. I thought the acting was a little bit better, um, except for Coach Coach Taylor's wife, Tammy Taylor. Uh, she, she was phenomenal <laughs> in season one, obviously. Knocks everything out of the park. But yeah, there was really, really solid acting. You know, but I do think that fundamentally... One thing, and we're going to get into, obviously, our recap and all of our segments and everything. But I think fundamentally one of the things the show tried to tell us in the finale is it's still kind of a joke, right? Like, I feel like I've I, I've had the pulse of this show kind of okay because yeah. I think people along the way have started to take the show pretty seriously. And I think with the way they handled the death of the most important character in the first two seasons, Tanya – like, I think they're just telling you that it's not that serious, right? Like, I think that's kind of the message from Mike White, who's the creator and showrunner. Yeah, and they were, it was fun too, because they were really much ramping up the drama. They were really much ramping up the tension, the threat, even building up a heroic moment for a character that's not had many heroic moments. 
and then completely flippingly banging her head on the side of a boating lake just uh, put it on its head. Both in her confrontation with Quentin at the end and her completely pathetic snipe, not the right word, but undignified demise that the character went through after this otherwise impressive rising to the occasion moment. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been more excited to do a podcast with me than you are right now? We're talking top three about all the years we've been doing this right See, now. See, and that, that I am too. And that, that says something about this show, right? That you're that excited to talk about it. And I've actually had more people. Like I've had – so we do uh, also a podcast called Pot of the Dragon about the House of the Dragon. We did mm-hmm. a Game of Thrones podcast way back in the day. I had a lot of people come to me about that show. That was more professorial. That was more, hey, tell me about how this Tell works. me about how this pro- – yeah, exactly. This is more – I got to talk about it. I want to talk about it. So yeah. I think that they're, they've hit something here. Um, but my, my concern about future seasons is that – it still kind of feels like lightning in a bottle because it's this condensed story. It's like, how do you keep – season three is going to have to be created out of whole cloth. Brand new story, brand new actors, brand new everything. How do you continue to keep the same level with brand new stories? It seems like at some point that's going to get difficult to do on a yearly cycle. And, and I agree. I think it's going to be a risk. I think, it, I think the next season is going to have to prove a lot. But one of the things I think they did that was wise, that we went very much against what everybody expected, was killing off Tanya. It gives them a little bit more freedom what? in terms of how... Bear, bear with me. I know. Nobody saw it coming. Most I people, didn't. I think, I don't didn't particularly good. like it. Um, I didn't. No, I'm kidding. But it, I, was, it was good. I think it's a wise move on their part because I think it gives them a lot more freedom in how they structure things. That Tanya suits her role and she continued that role well into this season even an aspect of an overarching plot in terms of connecting the two but i think removing her and focusing on other characters gives them a lot more freedom to move outside of that mold in a way that could give them a chance to be more inventive or at least do something fresh whereas if they just kept doing the same patterns with tanya showing up it keeps them a little bit chained down in a way that would get old and repetitive i think pretty quick yeah they were they, they clearly wanted you to know this is not a tanya show right yes. so she's gone um, R.I.P. Tanya, greatest character in television history. Spencer agrees, obviously. Let's get into our, our podcast here. So we start out here on the Enjoy Your Stay podcast with a recap, which I will lead, even though sick with COVID, I'm still going to lead the podcast today, do the recap beat by beat all the way through. Spencer will chime in, as he does every week, witty anecdotes, wisdom, and humor. Then we will get to our segment. Spencer, here's what we're going to do with our segments. You ready for it? We haven't even talked about this, but I'm, I'm going to let you know. You ready? Go on. So we'll do our normal segments. We'll talk about um, best line of the episode. We'll do best and worst vacation partner of the week. We can't do death theories, obviously, but then let's no. do instead of death theories, let's do best and worst vacation partner of the season. I'm with it. I, I, I am not prepared, but I will work it out. Yeah, let's do that because then we, cause we can talk about who, who kind of almost like won the episode as far as, and who lost the episode as far as vacation partners this week. But then we can talk about like in total, you know, who do we want to, who do we want to vacation with? I'm going to let you know real quick, just so you know, spoiler alert. From the front, because I don't want to hide anything. I'm a transparent guy. He will not be what Jack. What you got for me? Come on. He will Come not on. be Jack. He is not the guy I want to be vacationing with. He drove you to the airport. I've had vacation partners that wouldn't do that. I have a theory, though. I have a theory that he might have saved Porsche's life. But we'll get into that. I think there might be some merit in that theory. Yeah, we'll get into that. So anyway, that's how we're going to handle it. Spencer, any uh, overarching thoughts, any introductory thoughts before we jump into the recap? Is it bad that I already feel a little bit sad that we're going to be doing the last episode right now? No, it's not, but that's a great – thank you, Spencer. Gosh, I'm off my game, man. 
that is a that is a great point. This is our last uh, podcast for Enjoy Your Stay. We will be, of course, back with you when season three happens. You know, next year, whenever it happens, we'll be back on this mm-hmm. podcast feed for Enjoy Your Stay. But this Pretty is a Mangum Talks podcast. If you had not seen our stuff before, go to mangumtalks.com, M-A-N-G-U-M talks.com, or go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mangum Talks. The next podcast Spencer and I will be doing, I'm ready to announce it to the world. You ready for it, Spencer? Ready for it, man. We're doing The Last of Us. That's right. It's oh, a HBO series based on a video game, which Spencer mm-hmm. should love because he loves video games. He's a big video game guy. It it is a PlayStation exclusive, but I am actually familiar. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, you're an Xbox guy, so you probably don't know about it. But we will be be discussing The Last of Us. We're going to create a podcast feed for that. That's not been created yet. But here's the thing. Because I can't tell you the feed yet, what we're going to do is we're going to post the first episode of that podcast review for The Last of Us. We're going to co-post it on this podcast feed. So if you're subscribed to this podcast feed... You will get all the information you need about The Last of Us and Spencer and I covering that. If you don't want to hear it, just ignore it. You know, forget it. We're only going to post one of the, the Last of Us podcasts on this podcast feed, and then we'll be back with you for season three of White Lotus. So, Spencer, you ready for the recap? Get going, man. Woo! All right. So, really big previously on, which you usually get in these finales, right? Lots of Lucia, Albi, Mia, Valentina. Lucia's situation slash scam mm-hmm. that she's running and the couple's retreat gone wrong. We got this quote from Daphne. If anything ever did happen, you do what you have to do to feel better about it, which I feel like might be the moniker of the whole season. Yeah. I mean, given it's, given it's repeat this episode and kind of the way it aspects plays of that, plot, it feels like that's like the sort of like put it on a t-shirt of the, yeah. of the season. I, I hate to call that the philosophy of the show because good God is that self-tortured and it's cynical, tough. but it's certainly one that a lot of characters are living by the time we're done. Then we get the music, and I am going to miss the music bad. Slaps every so much. week, so damn good, always. Every time. It, it, on the shows we've watched, tell me this. I'm curious. I'm curious. How many have you spent every episode watching the complete intro? So well, we've we've done Thrones, dozens Game of, of Thrones, shows. Game of Thrones, obviously, because they changed the intro, so I felt like I had to every week. Part um, of the experience. That might be it. It might be that and this. Yeah, it, 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 it's really impressive because this isn't like a changing thing. It's not part of the story. It's not a fun little preview into the episode. It's just that banging of an intro. It, it, oh, the office. I always listen to the full office intro bum, because bum, da, 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 I've got a specific dance I do to it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I've need to a, see this later. I've got an office dance that I do. I always do it. So that that but that's kind of different, right? So like, it really. Yeah, it's pretty much it. This is a this is a really solid intro. They did a great job with the music. People are going to be very invested in what they do with the music next week or, or next uh, season, particularly if it improves as much between season one and season two as as, as will be in the future between Can't season two it. and season three. Can't do it. It's too good. Then we get one of my favorite scenes of the season. Uh, or no, no, no. So no, no, we don't. That that that's the second one. The we get there in a second. One, the first one is Ethan, who's just in bed. It would be kind of weird if this is my favorite scene of the episode, season. Ethan, who's in bed, just imagine Harper having sex with Cameron. And, man, he is deep into it. Spencer, i got to ask this question to you from the Please. jump. If you've got a buddy who thinks his wife cheated and he just keeps envisioning it over and over again, comes to you for advice, what would you say? Run, away, run the other way? Just try to avoid the conversation? Or is there any advice you try to give somebody in Ethan's situation? Uh, stop doing that. It's well, a weird he clearly advice, can't, right? But, but it's one of those things of where you need to do anything in your power to get that out of your head. Because you're doing nothing that's helping you right now. You are just pouring salt on open wounds that you are creating. It's like, do other things. Get your mind off stuff. Talk with your partner. 
Just anything possible other than stewing in a, just a cauldron of your own shit the way you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, my thing would be that it, that's going through your head because of the uncertainty. And you have to have the conversation that Ethan has this episode. He actually does what I would have recommended this episode, which is to finally break through the bullshit and go, I, we are going to have a real conversation about this. And it works better than I thought it would. Yeah, it does. Then we get one of my favorite scenes of the season. Daphne is talking to the, the children. And they ask for daddy. Daphne starts calling I want for Cameron. daddy. Cameron is flossing, and then we see it. As she's calling for him to talk to his, quote, kids, he looks dark, irritated. That's the key. He knows, Spencer. That This nugget is the is the is my favorite, probably my favorite thing of the episode. It's uh, unbelievable that they gave us this. He knows. Yeah, cre- credit to this actor. We, we haven't heralded him enough on the show for how well he's done with, with Cameron. But... The expression really on his face of just... How would you even summarize it? It's a, uh, it is... It's that sound. Uh, this shit again. It, it, it is utter frustration. It's almost like when, it's like, it's like when you're visiting a friend's house and they ask you to tuck in their kids. It's that level of just complete non-connection to the situation and just dissatisfaction that a burden has been placed upon you. It, he's not. It, it, it's delightful that he clearly knows... Yes. And it's delightful how much it is always hurting him. Here's the thing. There's a lot of people who have said, some have said to me, and I've seen it, I've seen it over that, like Daphne and Cameron have somehow gotten to this almost uber healthy place, right? Mm -mm. That, but that's the thing. Sans the kids, you might be able to make that argument. But with the kids in this situation where she's clearly had kids with someone else and he knows about it, that, that is going to erupt at some point in a really problematic way, probably for the children. Because there is pro- – we've seen Cameron. We know hedonistic Cameron. There will be a point when it is not in his best interest yes. to be a father to those children, and he's going to fucking bail. I promise you. Like, it's yeah. happening. Yeah. Like, Daphne – a lot of people, like, are loving the little, like, snarky, cool, like, two-sentence Twitter comments about how Daphne won the season – Daphne's playing a dangerous game here and like it will eventually be a problem because she I think she's eventually gonna be left with those children that's what I think I've seen a lot of that it is a very common thread online to say Daphne is the ultimate winner of this she's playing four you know 4d chess and all that yeah no one is winning this they are in a toxic self-dependent self uh, toxic mutually dependent self-destructive relationship that ultimately is going to burn for both of them and even when it isn't doing that it is eating them both and particularly daphne alive from the inside she isn't winning anything she's trying to find a means to come to terms with her own pain by inflicting it on another person that's not helping anything they're at elite i'm talking elite michael jordan lebron james level denial in what they're doing and that will eventually shatter i think and like that that's the the loser is going to be the children because like daphne is gorgeous and cameron's gorgeous and they're both rich the loser will be the children in all of this and that's the real problem that's why i can't that's why every time i see these little cringy comments about how daphne's playing 40 chess i'm like no this is a real problem like but that's just my opinion these people aren't healthy nothing about either of these people are healthy and it's even more apparent that they are so self-destructive, they're hurting other people around them that just briefly come into their orbit. Yeah. This just weird succubus couple is just drawing people in and breaking them upon the wheel 
just a part of their day to day. Yeah, that's exactly what happens with with Harper and Ethan. And it's like if if Cameron didn't know that the children weren't his, if we didn't get this scene, mm-hmm. then I would I would say that like yeah maybe this will have a weird way of working out but when he knows that it's not his children and we know how cameron thinks which is very much like i'm gonna do what's in my immediate self-interest pretty much all the time and like he's even he's very clear like he doesn't give a fuck about lower class people he doesn't care. like you could throw a yogurt in your assistant's face it's fine like do you think he's gonna be like i have i have a lifelong responsibility to these children that aren't mine really like no way it's even dangerous to a certain degree. You, 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 I think Ackler described the, this expression was one of annoyance. There's also an element of rage in there. There's just this That's, intensity. Yeah. He seems mad about it, right? Yeah, there's this just intensity, almost like a psycho stare into the mirror. Just an intense focus on flossing and not dealing with this thing right now. And we see it again near the end of when he's sitting in the airport and he's just staring off with this just fixed, intense look on his face. This guy's got some internal rage issues that are also a serious problem going forward, too, that... Daphne dismissed it when talking with other people. I wonder how much she's aware of it. I wonder how much it's going to be a problem for them later. Yeah, I mean, I think Daphne thinks she did this like super checkmate, which, which we kind of bought into when she she you know she did. But like the fact that he knows about it and the fact we know his rage issues and we're seeing some of the reactions, it's just a situation that will boil over eventually. I think so. Cut to Alvia and Lucia in bed. Um, Lucia tells Alvia she doesn't want him to go. Uh, there was no it's so funny how this worked for me at the end of last episode I felt fairly certain that Lucia was somewhat on the up and up with Albie there wasn't one second of this episode that I felt that I don't know I don't know if the actress did something different or if it was just me personally like uh, being on the internet too much or talking to you about it too much but like from jump when she says I don't want you to go I went bullshit like it was right away I, I was in the exact same headspace the entire time. It's just every single line from her, every single stare, every single direction with Albie, I'm just going, played. You have been utterly played. This is all a master stroke. Look at this happen. Look at it play out in real time. It's like, I never trusted her for a second. And he looks so, like, emo. I don't know. I don't have another – I'm sorry. <laughs> like, that's just what he – he's, like, super, like, emotive and, like, happy that he's got a woman cuddling with him. And it's like – uh, and then he says, maybe you can come to L.A. Then she starts speaking. He starts speaking Italian. She smiles. They speak Italian back and forth. She leans over, shugs him. And I didn't get a good feeling. But then we also get the cutaway of Lucia's face. And it's just blank. Yeah. Like, she drops the smile. She, she's she drops having everything. doubts. Just blank. She's having, she, she, I mean, she's having, there's a few little expressions, particularly some later on in the show, where I think she has at least an aspect of guilt. That's it. That she's I don't think it's doubt. Movie. I think it's like. Guilt. I hate that I have to do this, basically. But she's not second-guessing herself. She is totally right. going to do this thing. But she's human enough to feel bad that she's hurting this individual. Now, right. I, but the thing is, is that it seems like maybe she's not. Like, he seems like he just took that right in stride. So it's kind of funny. Like, she does seem like there's a little guilt, and it, and it, it kind of rolls off his back a little. Maybe, maybe not. We'll discuss that. But I, I'm, I'm with you in terms of describing Albie's expression. The guy is utterly gormless. He has not the slightest clue what's happening. I, even before his dad called him such, in scenes like this, I'm saying, this mark. kid is going to be a mark his entire mark. fucking life. Yeah, for sure. Cut to Dominique. He's scrolling through pictures on the phone of his wife and his daughter, and he's crying. Spencer, did you feel a little bad for Dominique in this scene? A little. I, I actually had a little bit more sympathy. I've said, said before, I've got more sympathy for Dominique than you do. This episode, the sympathy levels increased a little bit. I don't know whether it's going to work out. 
I don't know whether he's in any aspect of changed man, but I'm willing to give him a chance and seems like this helped that emotional effect. It's like if you have a if you have a house. Yeah, I do. And, Go on. Yeah. And then you take a sledgehammer one day. Uh-huh, you, uh-huh, uh-huh. you just bust that you spend maybe two weeks, four weeks, six weeks busting that thing down to the to the, the foundation. You just, just the every studs, wall, yeah. you're just busting it down, right? And then a year later, you have pictures of the house on your phone and you're crying. I don't feel too bad for you. You spent six <laughs> weeks just fucking clamoring your house, you know? Like, but, but, I don't know but, why we think of relationships any different than that. Like, it, he's you, offering, you did this, dude. Yes, but he's offering to bring a dustbuster and help you clean up what he did. Isn't that something? What a guy. What a guy. Cut to uh, Palermo and the Palazzo. And Tanya wakes up. Uh, so walks in, says hello. Quentin greets her with a there. She is the new diva of Palermo. Mm. Oh boy. Um, you um, know, it's funny. There have been times in this season where I thought Clint Quentin might be on the up and up. Same. He got the Lucia treatment this episode. Yeah. Not a single word out of his mouth that I feel this episode was genuine in the least from the start. The new diva of Palermo, I thought mm, it's all bullshit. Here's a key question then. When did you think that murder might be on the table? When when did that at least the possibility that clearly is orbiting in Tanya's head occur to you? Right now, it, it was it was early it, as on. As, as soon as I lost faith that as soon as I thought that Quentin was involved in a scheme with Greg, I thought there was an, there was a chance. I thought it was fifty fifty that it was the thing we talked about, which was this sort of like penalty clause or whatever for cheating and your prenub. That was our um, assumption, yeah. Yeah, or it could be that, you know, they just want to kill her. I, I did think that was on the table for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, fuck, it it's Italy, me, dude. I, I, <laughs> what aspersions are you casting upon a country? It took me a while. It, it really took me a while because I guess I just wasn't willing to process that they're that greedy, that half isn't enough. They've got to kill her and get it all. It's like, yeah. it well, took they, me a I, while I, to come to terms with that. Yeah, well, maybe they couldn't have gotten half, right? They might have, she might have not we're, had we're that assuming, clause. Yeah. You know, we don't know that in the prenup. They never talk about that. So Tanya walks in and says hello. Um, Quentin greets her. Uh, he offers her some coffee. He then asks her how Nicola was. Mm. And she says, the whole night was like a dream. Um, he said, we just wanted you to have the perfect send-off. I got to say, in this episode, there is no less than five times where Quentin tips his hand in the word choice that he uses. <laughs> yeah, there... Every word choice that he and his other high-class gays are using is just steeped in finality, final journey, last hurrah. At every opportunity, it's like, do they know they're doing it? Do they assume Tanya's just that stupid that she's not picking up on it? Are they trying to make this poetic in a certain way? It's just like... Uh, yes, because Quentin has already said that he had a phase where he fashioned himself some sort of Kerouac-esque figure. I'm sure he writes bad for poetry. Beauty. Like for beauty. I, I think I do think he's being that sort of like cute with himself that he he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna foreshadow this out loud Wait. because I'm some sort of artiste. Well, that blew up in his face. Tanya yeah, literally. Tanya says she doesn't want to leave. She, she could just take them all in her trunk. Um, he says <laughs> we, 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 we could probably fit. Uh, then, um, what is it? Um, Didier says it's a wonderful thing to make a new friend so late in life. Tanya's like, late in life? And <laughs> Let's he says, add to the list. So here's the thing I got to say. First of all, these guys constantly talk about Tanya as if she's some sort of old hag. Like, look in the fucking mirror, guys. You're all yeah. old and wrinkly and ugly. Like, 
she's actually a pretty, not pretty, a very attractive, like mid fifties woman. And they are like old wrinkly men. It's so funny how men do that. How old men will be talking to a woman their same age and will be yeah. like, what an old hag. And you're like, dude, what? <laughs> yeah. There, there's this assumption going on is that all men think they age like Sean Connery. And whereas all they women don't. age like milk, it's like, that ah, is very a selective kind of thing right there. Yeah, and it, it's actually the opposite here, where Tanya is aging gracefully, and they look, like, terrible. It, it's so Qu- funny. Qu- that, that Quentin's not they, bad. Qu- Quentin's, Quentin's okay. The other high-class gays, yeah. And by the way, Spencer's using the high-class gays because that's how what they use on the, fo- on the show. It's a very old-school thing, right? This concept of, <laughs> um, like, are the gay men are, like, a feminine but also, like, funny – and over the top and love art. And it's, it's like, it's like what we thought gay men were when Freddie Mercury was out on the scene in like the eighties, right? That's what it is. And they're, they're playing into that trip. That is not my experience with the homosexual community in 2022 at all. Like, I mean, my experience is that gay men pretty much present like any other men. They certainly don't like walk around with a cigarette, like, oh, hello, the world. Like that, it, it's, it's a very particular type of depiction of gays that they're being intentional about, I think, which is certainly not representative. Yeah, it's, it's an homage to like the birdcage style of gay de- depiction, which at its time was very progressive. Now is being a certain, to a certain degree steeped in stereotype as much as I love that movie. I think they're very much intentionally laying into that trope, both for the audience's sake to kind of fall into that vein, but also I think they're playing to Tanya's expectations too. We have no idea how these guys act to go about their given day. And now that we know that they've been playing Tanya the whole time, all of this could just be an act of artifice. We don't know really. Yeah. And so Tanya, back to the recap, Tanya sits down and laments having a bad assistant. Um, I must say she does have a bad assistant. Not, uh, she, not for the reason she thinks here, but otherwise, yes. She says, my luck, my bad luck with assistants, they become my boss and I'm taking orders from them and they're bossing me around and then they start stealing my medications and then they disappear. She knew it. <laughs> she, she didn't know it. We, we wondered about that. Yeah, she knew it. They, yeah, it cuts poor. She wakes up. She can't find her phone. She can't find her phone, Spencer. Where's her phone? I mean, it's probably an honest mistake, right? Probably just left it under a pillow or something. Yeah, my alarm bells have been going off the moment I can't find a phone I know I plugged in, because there's only one thing that could have happened to that. She seems like she is able to brush this one off enough to get by, and it's weird that it's Instagram that's what finally sets her off later, or the lack of an Instagram. You know, I mean, people can... People interpret art any kind of way, right? So people are interpreting this show all kinds of ways. If you think that the creator and showrunner of this show, Mike White... Likes the youngest generation of kids. Going, you are out of your fucking mind. <laughs> no, no, he is because he he has made one a complete fucking ignoramus in Porsche, and he's made the other one the biggest mark I've ever seen on television. Like the two kids that he's put the, of that age group, right of that generation that he's put in this show, are the two of the dumbest characters that we have. Well, like it, it is not a very uh, positive portrayal of that generation. Yeah, among the characters that he has enjoyed stunting on the most, the young each season has been a trend. Because, mm. like, season one, the most despicable characters in the entire show were those two pair of girls in that family. Yeah. I forget their names right now. They were terrible. I, I wouldn't say these You know what those girls are doing right now? What are those girls doing right Binge now? Binge watching Euphoria. One of them's in Euphoria, so yes. <laughs> That's what they're doing. Yeah, uh, yeah so... <laughs> um, she tries to sort of deal with the fact that there's no phone and 
He says, it's fine. I texted my uncle. So basically he's like, yeah, I've already worked all this out. Portia continues to look around, feels uncomfortable. He lays her back down, says it's all going to be fine. She clearly feels trapped. My phone, it's just so weird. She says she definitely had it last night. We know Portia wasn't that drunk the night before. No. She says. She's pretty stoned um, and sober, actually. Yeah. Because she couldn't find him on Instagram. And he's like, I don't do that shit. She's like, not even Instagram? Which is, that is actually an inside joke, right? Because like a lot of young people will not do Twitter because there's this sense that Twitter is bad for your mental health and they won't do Facebook because there's a sense that Facebook is for people our age. But like Instagram, everybody does, right? I mean, everybody does Instagram. That's kind of the idea. Uh, me with my Instagram having four friends and eight pictures. Sure. Yeah. Everyone does Instagram. It, it, there's an aspect of where, you know, like she's talked before about she wants to be able to social media stalk everybody so that she can know all the details in advance and not be surprised. So he I can understand. I get it. I can understand why she might view it as a red flag that there's no information out there. But as a guy that hates social media, I'm going to go looking like, oh, well, you've just utterly stereotyped me from the get-go of not having an Instagram as a red flag. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll do things like, so we, we're, we're of a generation where we're still on Facebook, right? Like, we do Facebook stuff. So, well, sorry, 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 kids. I'm sorry to disappoint you. So, I, I'll be on Facebook, like, talking with some of my friends. Like, we'll post something. So, and we'll tag Spencer. And then it's always fun because one of us will chime in and say, like, we'll, we'll try to pinpoint the date that he'll see it. So, we'll say, like, like let's say we were comment today. I might I might slide in and be like, I must think March is when Spencer will see this <laughs> notification. 2024. <laughs> he is not a social media guy. Um which is funny because we, you know, I told you I was at LA this last week and I was at the, the con for Game of Thrones. I was at the Game yeah. of Thrones con, and um, I think that our Twitter account at Mangum Talks is doing probably the best on the ground reporting in the moment of what the actors were saying in these panels because I was noticing nobody was HBO wasn't doing it, nobody was doing it, and our Twitter account, our little infant Twitter account that we've never paid attention to because we're a million years old, mm-hmm. just exploded over the weekend. We had like. Thousand, like literally thousands of retweets and comments and likes and shit. I mean, we, we yeah. I so legitimately that, had no idea. Yeah, of course you did. That's what I'm telling you. But, but uh, that 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 that's kind of like how it has to work, I guess. That uh, we gotta have to like be covering something. So we did that. We got a little bit of love. So yeah, if you you like the podcast, go go follow. Give us a follow at, at Mangum Talks. You never know what content we'll put out on it. So cut to the um, hotel and Valentina wakes up with a maid coming into the room. I gotta say. If you're going to be, like, drunk, hooking up with, in essence, an employee, in on company, might want to set the alarm. Just might want to set the alarm. Set an alarm, put the bolt on the door, maybe put in the records that room. Put your underwear, limits. like, on a on a chair to the side that you can easily get to. Immediate access, yes. There's many, many ways she could have done this better. I will say that her criticism of the staff for not knocking first before entering is fair, other than the fact the staff assumed rightfully that the room was empty. I don't think it's fair. They have to have to knock to enter empty, empty rooms. Like they, that, that, they have that's, a, what I, that's what I'm highlighting is that if, if it was they knew it was an occupied room, that'd be a faux pas. But th- she purposely picked this because it was an empty room. Exactly. And they get a printout of all the rooms like that are, yeah. so they were probably doing a last minute Basic check. Basic turndown. People were going to probably check in. They've already fucked up the sheets and everything. So she should be thanking this lady for checking the room. But anyway, yeah. Valentina, I will say this about Valentina. It seems like Valentina, when she has sex, she got a superpower. It's like something got unlocked. She became super Valentina because this episode, 
she was not taking any prisoners. She starts right out with, excuse me, you don't knock before entering a room. No one taught you like, boom, cuts that shit right off. She gets up, she can't find her underwear. Guess what, Spencer? Commando, no problem. I mean, it's super Getting Valentina it all episode. Absolutely. What? So it, it, Mia's sort it? of giggling the whole time. Valentina, do you like, did you like last night? So she's asking her, did you like last night? She says, you're good for real. Like Mia, deft hand here, right? Because she's dealing with somebody who's in essence had sex for the first time and building up the confidence, making them feel exactly, good about yes. themselves. It's a self-serving thing for Mia to be doing, but it's also tangentially kind it's like yeah. a sort of kind externality that's happening here it, it's hard necessarily to say what mia's job is at this point because she kind of flirts with a few different professions but with the aspect of the job that she's focusing on here reaffirmance is a key is a key part yeah. of it and she's doing that very well and it seems like it has a positive effect on valentina not only in terms of putting yeah. her at an 11 in valentina ways but also balancing that out with you know so a basic humanity in terms of interacting with others that we've not seen previously that's the thing is that like in both what Lucia does and what Mia does, you know, they're sort of like coup de gras for this episode, which both golf wonderfully, by the way. Sure. There's positive externalities. Like the world ends up better because they did these things pretty much. I mean, because like with, with they, some she's, she's what, with, with who? Giuseppe. I think he gets fuck Giuseppe. I know creep. you were going to say that, but he does get Who screwed over. Who gives a over. fuck about that old creep? Like, we, they, they purposely drag that man's moral through the character so that we wouldn't give a shit when he, he got fired. He didn't deserve to go to the hospital. He didn't quite deserve that for this to happen in those particular terms. He's an old creep, but I think the show is being built around old creeps to a certain way and, and making them some, in, some, in some manner. I will not allow you to give a pass to old creeps on this podcast, sir. Uh, we, have defended, we have defended Bert to no end on this show. He, there are definitely no, aspects of old creeps. Giuseppe deserved to get fired because he's not as good as Mia. The guest didn't like him as much. Valentina was absolutely right about that. Not why he, she, he was fired, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. I, who do? Who fucking knows? I mean, I, you know, he got he got fired. That's the reason she gave. I mean, you know, what, you can't get in people's heads. Daphne says that Spencer. He, she teaches you that this episode. You can't get in people's heads. Yeah, we'll see how that advice plays out. Please, let's come back to that one. Uh, cut to da- breakfast. Harper is wearing a shirt that covers her whole damn torso. She's just covered up, head to toe, basically, and sunglasses. Daphne's telling Cameron that someone got fired for throwing a yogurt at his assistant's face. It sounds like a very Spencer type move throwing a yogurt at somebody who's a subordinate. I don't Can't. throw yogurt. It might get on their clothes, which interfere with business. You throw things that dint, not not stain. Like a stapler? Like a oh, stapler exactly, stuff. yes. Daphne's you, telling Cameron, um, and Cameron's confused. He says, it's his assistant. Who cares? I got a question <laughs> for you. Wonderful guy. You probably can't answer that question. Go on. It's never stopped you before. Well, is it, is it like, is that like this idea of like, well, it's this assistant. Who cares? Is that, I'm not going to, don't talk about your current workplace. That's not what I'm talking about. Fine. Yeah. But has that been a sort of like undercurrent in places you have worked previously, not your current place? Uh, actually, no, never. I have never seen that in the law. Good assistants are valued more highly than good attorneys, I would say, on a given day basis. And everybody Why aren't they paid as much then? That doesn't make any sense. The world doesn't make sense. But everybody knows you don't piss off an assistant. Assistants make the world world go round in the court system, in law firms, whatever else. Cameron's world totally would believe that. But at least what I've seen in the law, people generally try to treat assistants pretty well, and those that don't are looked down upon pretty quick. Yeah, I work for a very touchy-feely company. We don't no one gets treated like this and 
we just wouldn't accept it. I mean, you just, you, the CEO would get fired for doing this. Um, yeah. Daphne says she ran into the guy's wife at the gym and, ah, it's awful. They have two kids in private school. I mean, his family can help a little bit, but mm, basically they're going to be broke soon. Cameron, Christ, when did the world become run by nuns? I mean, you're not even supposed to succeed anymore, right? If you succeed, oh shit, you might make someone else feel bad. You might cause harm to all the sad losers in the world. I gotta tell you, Cameron has an underbelly of classism that is really nasty. Like when it's he not, gets it's into not it, underbelly. It's, it's in the open. When he gets into it, it's like, oh god, dude, that's like, it's really Wait, ugly. It's interesting too because previously he's made efforts to hide it, or at least nuance it, or at least be aware of Harper with respect to it. That even when he said these things, he's made an effort to try to dial him back or make Harper feel more comfortable. Here, he seems to be trying to incite her. He's almost staring at her when he's saying this shit. They're both giving themselves away because he's yes. acting differently about her. And then she responds by saying, you're an idiot, just flatly. And everything gets quiet. And both Ethan and Daphne pick up on the fact that something's happened, right? Because yeah, they're acting Ethan immediately gives her a funky look. Cameron just smiles and shuts up. But Daphne has a look on her face, too. Like, oh, okay. Like, she picked up on something there, too, I think. Daphne's very aware. Uh, and she... I don't think she's certain from this conversation, but she is making a note for later. Cut to Albie wa uh, walking up to Dominic. He sits down at breakfast. Conversation Spencer's had with his father many times. He yeah, says, I need 50,000 50, euros. That's, just, that's how he starts. I need 50,000 euros. Okay. Let, let, I'm curious. I'm going to tell you how my dad would react if I came forward with that conversation. You tell me how your dad would react if you <laughs> No, I want to hear it. Sure, How you react? Fifty thousand yeah, sure. euros, yeah, make dollars, yeah. dollars, make it dollars. Sure, yeah. Uh, my dad would. He probably start laughing at me because I would assume I was kidding. He'd be so out of character. It'd be so ridiculous. He'd assume I was joking, and then when he realized I wasn't, he'd get just concerned because that's obviously something that's not going to happen. And the fact that you come forward and ask to me means there's something probably wrong with you. There's no realm of where he would just, at that conversation, at that moment, particularly in that age, just go, yeah, here's 50000 No questions asked. Yeah, strangely enough, I've never met your dad, which is kind of strange as long we, as we've been we friends. We should fix that at some point. But from what I know, I've heard of your dad, it, it does seem like he might go to concern, like that something's wrong with you. Um, I'll tell you what my dad would do. He would laugh too. And then when he figured out it was serious, it would flip to anger. It wouldn't be mm. sad. He'd get very like, if you fucking think, like he would be, he would do that thing. Like, uh, like the fact you would even ask such a fucking question, like I would be, I'd be toast for weeks. Like maybe not like now my dad's like in his late seventies, like he's, he's, he's mellowed a lot, but like my but dad you, growing up, if I, asked, age, such a, if I asked a question like that, he would have exploded. Like I, I wouldn't have been able to be around him for a long time. Uh, it'd be that, that, and, and it would be not that he ever, not that there would ever be this pretense that I would get that kind of money out of him. First off, he didn't have it. But second, he wouldn't have given it to me. It would be, he would be that disappointed that his son's a mark. Yeah. My dad would be really disappointed in me if a woman was like I raised you yanking wrong. me around that way. Oh, he would hate it. Yeah, I, I think there'd be an aspect of that in my dad too. But just like, you are too smart for this. I did not raise you to be this obviously transparently manipulatably dumb. Fix yourself. That's, that's the solution to this problem. Not me giving you 50,000 bucks. All that being said, if I'm Dominique here, the way that Albie does this, I'd tell would him to fuck off. It, it would 
you would, uh, it would stagger me a little bit, right? And I'll get to it through the recap, right? So Dominic says 50,000 euros, what for? Abby gets quiet, says, oh, no, not for the girl. Well, forget it. Albie's like, look, yeah, I have all the bank account. Effort. It sounds like, look, it's a Nigerian prince. You know, he's going to assume the throne soon. Yeah. Like, yeah, he just needs a little bit of money to get the, for the coup. Wait, you know, like it's that sort of deal. That's the most disrespectful part of this to me is how flippantly he's treating this. It's just like, I don't care if you guys are rich. I don't care at all. The fact that you are treating this as if it is already a done deal and it's the most minor thing possible. You are such a douche. To be well, acting that way. He he is a douche, but I also like I think that they're trying to tell us that they have a level of money that for like plebes like me and you, we gotta knock the number down. Like if you were going to your dad and asking two hundred and fifty bucks. That extreme. I think so. I think mm-hmm. so. Because the way that they, they let this roll off and the way that Albie's very much like it doesn't matter and Dominic doesn't fight that it doesn't matter. And they and they also say that he's a Hollywood producer. Like if this guy's a an actual true, producer in Hollywood, true. he probably makes twenty, thirty million dollars a movie. Like this is not like he has the kind of money where it really isn't a big deal. So let's knock it down to two hundred and fifty dollars, right? And then then it starts to make a little bit more sense the conversation. It, it, it's but we're dealing with really rich people. It's still a douchey move, though. If I came to you and said, hey, man, I need you to give me 250 bucks. What are you complaining about? Of course, just give me 250 I'm still an asshole, even at yeah, that relative level of wealth. Yeah, that's true. And you – not a fucking chance in hell, Spencer. <laughs> not a chance in hell, cheap I, as you are, money as you got. No way. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. I, more likely that I get money out of you than you get money out of me, I think, in that scenario. <laughs> Yeah, that's well. That's just by definition true. Dominic <laughs> Dominic Scoff says no. Albie says, "Look, you can make someone's life better." That's the part that would rock me, and that's where we differ because I think you would still continue to be like, "Yeah, but like, come on." Well, it's manipulative in my mind. Yeah, still. it is. I know, but I fall for that shit. I guess why I give money to fucking all these charities and stuff. Like, I can't. Uh, that got me when he's like, "Yeah, but th- see, this is where it got me screwed up for me." Is that like he is doing it because he's a mark. He's doing it because he's a DeGrasso, and apparently all DeGrassos fall the fuck apart whenever a woman comes around. Achilles cock. Achilles cock. But, a, but, but something good is happening because this person is going to be able to stop – ostensibly stop being able to be a prostitute and can open this little store, whatever she wants to do, and live kind of a normal life, have a little bit of seed money for a normal life. And that is ostensibly a good thing. It is, but – That's what would fuck with me. It is, but he's doing—he's not doing it purely for her benefit. He's, no, he's doing not. it under the assumption, and Dominic knows this, that the guy thinks the girl's going to be his girlfriend and come back with him and all kinds of other things. That it's going to open that kind of door to an ongoing relationship. And that's the manipulation aspect of it. That's the deception. That's the fraud. And Dominic's aware of this shit. I think, is it fair to say Dominic is seeing this coming from a mile away? Oh, absolutely. He knows exactly what's going on. But Dominic, I think Dominic, in, in, in a strange way, Dominic is like, kind of like a little bit more like me here where he's like yes but something yeah all that is true everything you're saying is true but something good will happen here like and i do think that that affects him because he changes tenor he changes just his conversation now what ultimately but gets him over the edge is this albie tells him look you don't need it it's nothing to you dominique with a very true line this is 100 true says no it's nothing to you because you don't work for money which is absolutely true albie says it's pretty much nothing to you dominique apparently has so much money that he doesn't even argue with that. And Dominic says, so, so what, you're going to go through your life rescuing all desperate women? And Albie's like, maybe. And Dominic's like, good luck with that, but don't expect me to subsidize it. Albie then further tries the approach. He says, think of it as a karmic payment. And when he says that, it does hit Dominic in the chest. 
It does. Honestly, I w- yeah, I'm with you on the subject of you can help this girl, you can improve her life. I'm like, okay, I can't argue with that. Even if it is a fraud, I can't argue with that. The karmic payment thing I thought was getting to be a low blow when he's asking for you for a favor. Yeah. I mean, um, the, the, he says, karmic, he says, karmic for all the shit you've done, Dad. Dominique looks down. It hits home. He says, 10,000 euros. So I was like, we're negotiating now. And it seems like Dominic really doesn't know what he's doing. Um, Dominic says, well, look, she doesn't need 50,000. Now he says, yes, she does. And then they go into this whole thing about what we've been seeing, right? With this guy following her, et cetera, et cetera, right? She ostensibly needs to pay this guy off for something. I don't fucking know what. Mm-hmm. And he, Dominic says, 50,000. Now Dominic is thinking about it. He goes, 50,000. I, 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 not in good conscience. And Albie continuing to punch hard says, oh, now you have a conscience over this. Just do it. Just do it. I can imagine that tone, that just do it, really rubbed you wrong. Very much so, yes. Like, yeah. We could argue the other points, but again, just the condescension that is going into him asking a favor from his dad, it could be the most minor thing possible. But the fact he's coming into this so damn entitled, so, so damn convinced that you would be absolutely morally in the wrong for not doing me a favor right now, rubs me the wrong way. I, yeah, and I, I, I get that. I, and I, I totally identify. But I think that like what's going on here is a, is a continuation of what we talked about last episode, which was that Dominique has done some things in his personal life and it's become so open in his family that the dynamic with his son is so, is so off. Like sure. it, there's nothing like, you there's know, no it's respect. like there's nothing he can say, nothing he can do that Albie won't bring it right back to his genie. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like last episode, I said that what Dominic needs to do is sit him down and say, okay, let's fucking have the cheating thing out. Like we have, yes, we have to get past that because otherwise I can't be your dad anymore. Basically. It, you, you, you want a philosophy, a philosophy lesson for the entire show. Characters need to have those conversations more. It would fix a lot more problems. I literally said this in episode one, right? Have the conversation, have the conversation. They needed Just to keep do repeating this, right? that for every character yeah. combination on the show. <laughs> so Albie goes, why not? Like, or no, Dominic, uh, says, what are you going to like, like have some sort of relationship with her? And, and Albie's like, why not? She's talking about coming to visit in LA. And this is like, it's so painful Albie. that Dominique finally asked the question that all of us want to ask. He says, Albie, are you going to, how are you going to make it in life going through if you're this big a mark? Albie goes, I'm not a mark. Spencer survey says. Guy's a mark. Guy's, guy's a guy, mark. Yeah, the guy's a mark to the point there was a giant Vegas sign floating over his head saying, defraud me here. Yeah, Albie leans over and finally pulls the big ace out of his hand. He's got that ace of, ace of spades. He's got it in there. He's finally going to play it. He says, if you do this, I'll help you out with mom. Give me 50. I'll help you with mom. And, and now and that, this, that part probably makes you want to burn Albie to the ground. Like that, this part probably makes you so mad. <laughs> that makes everything that came before obviously bullshit. abjectly it's the spaghetti. It, he's, this is the spaghetti of negotiations, right? Like I actually – like as, as strange as this is, you're a lawyer. I'm not. I work in contracts for a You do more negotiations than I, know I that do. Sounds, I know that sounds strange. I negotiate all the time. Yeah. And we have people who do this. They'll say, I want this provision this way. And you say no for X reason. And they will just keep throwing different reasons. And, and, and like the, the one reason might method. contradict the next one. It might not matter. I call it the spaghetti strategy. All yes. the spaghetti is going against the wall. We're going to see what sticks. That's what he's doing here. And fundamentally, he knows that the, the I'll, I'll help you with mom thing. That apparently Dominique has the type of money that, like, he would gladly pay $50,000 for a, a character yes. reference from his son it, with his ex-wife. He would pay a lot more than that in a divorce or a lot more than that in terms of, you know, uh, well. Or just therapy. the emotional, you know, I mean, he Trauma. seems to want to be with Turmoil. Her, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's clearly going to do this at this point. 
Um, he is. Yeah, can, yeah. Tell me. I agree with you that some aspects of Albie's argument were persuasive. Seen through the lens of his ace in the hole, what's your end opinion on the guy from this conversation? See, I think this is where we sort of differ, right? Because I think that like all when you when you get the whole story, you're like, see, the the thing with the mom makes it all bullshit, like, and it, it kind of undercuts everything. It I've does that for me. Yes. It does that for me too, but it doesn't stop the fact that it would be a good thing. Like that doesn't that that doesn't get tarnished for me. That it still would be a good thing, and that to me is almost if if Dominic has the type of money I think he has, which is like probably a hundred million dollars. Let's say nine figures. Maybe yeah. then I would say that yeah, like probably do this. Like just just for the just for the fact that you can help change a person's life. I Dominic has a great line where he's like, I'm not an NGO. I don't do this. It's like, well, why not? Like if you, if you have a hundred million dollars, why not? Like, why not do that? I, I that it's never made sense to me when people with that type of money, why they don't do more of this stuff on the he, daily. He doesn't frame it in the form of a life lesson though. This is still your son. That's going to get screwed over here. And you know, your son's going to get screwed over here. And he's walking into it. Head held high, calling you an asshole for not supporting him in this. regard. That's the best part of all this. That's the best part is that Domin- that Albie's going to learn this lesson, that he's going to get blindsided by this. This is the best Does thing. He? That, this is the best thing Dominic could be doing for him is to teach him this fucking lesson. <laughs> I, I think this is the best part of it. Personally, that, may- that doesn't that doesn't sour it at all for me. I will say, and I will agree fundamentally with something you said earlier, that in terms of just amount of investment for what you get, Dominic is winning this episode hard. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, you know that. Yeah, I don't know. Dominic, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's, it's a cheap amount of money for what he wants to accomplish, which is a good with, word with, with his wife. With both his son and with um, his wife, in all those respects. And as you said, putting money in the community, even though it is no, on it, it, his terms. I, if I'm Dominic, I'm probably not going to do this. But I was kind of arguing the other side with you, just so you like we could, I, we could have I'm, that conversation Dominic, out. But I probably still wouldn't do it. I mean, it, obviously, it's sort of a crazy thing to be doing. But there is kind of – I just wanted to point out that there is a part I, I of get it. it. Where you can look at it and go, well, if this guy's got the kind of money that we all think he has, which is sort of like generational wealth, like over and over again, I don't know. Why Why not? You know, I think there's going to be a lot of people in the fandom who look at that and go, why not do it? Well, I mean, from Dominic's perspective, once Albie throws out that last ace in the hole, I think he doesn't have a choice in the matter. That's what he wants more than all the world. He is going to do what it ta- what takes to bring that about. And $50,000 is, from his perspective, chump change to make that happen. Yeah, is Bert's- it fun- is it fundamentally unethical on Albie's part to make that last offer, though? Because I don't think he thinks his dad has changed, and yet he's now going to openly try to persuade his mom when he previously drew a line in the sand saying he would never do that. Let me explain something. Go on. Let, let, tell me, me. Just, let me just I'm, break I'm, it down. Let me just this, break it down. Is this Uncle Lee? Is this Uncle no, Lee talking? No, this is the podcaster Lee just stating the fucking obvious. Albie yes. is exactly like his dad and his granddad. It's yeah, just a different generational yeah. tint to it, but it's the same shit, which is every bit of goodness that comes in this world, it comes through a young, pretty woman. That's basically it for these fucking guys. Like, Bert proves that in the end. Like, the only enjoyment he's getting is when a young woman hugs him, right? And it's it's sad, but that's the reality. And Albie is the exact same fucking way. Like, he's not, like, some good dude. Like, he's looking for women just the same way as that is like I, I don't know i i i think i and i think we'll get there but that last scene where they all turn and look at the woman together that's Very them fair. trying to tell us they're all the same 
Well, it, it's it's interesting enough. It's a character arc for Albie because he was so stubbornly against that at the start of the season. So very much saying, "I'm not that. I'm not my dad. Not gonna be my dad." Would consciously not look at any girl around him when he's walking around, and this is where he's come. I, he has embraced his father's his grandfather's kind of philosophy to a certain degree of you know women. They're no different from us. This is an uncle lead to the kids. You ready? Please. Generally, in my life, I have found, and I, you know, it's just my experience. That when people get real obstinate about, I am not going to be like my dad about X, they usually tend up being be that way because yeah. it yeah. ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, it's you, it's usually the people who are sort of nonplussed about their parents who like, you're like, oh yeah, they're just kind of who they, just kind of, yeah, who they are, who they are. It's, it's fine. Like it, are, are, are cool with it and sort of like accepting of their parents and don't really f- like hammer and focus on it and obsess about it. Those people tend to not be like their parents, but the people they who can, are like, I will never be like my mom because she is so mean about blah, 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 blah. 20 years later, they're doing the exact same shit pretty much to a T. Well, they're not living their own life. They're, they're actively just trying to avoid their parents' life. And so they're never escaping it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, that's just kind of my experience. And it's usually not, it's not usually through serious shit, right? It's usually through stuff like, I won't like, like be a, a, a fe- we could call it a female hound. Can we say female hound? Cause I'm not going to say the, 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 the bad phrase. Go on. A female hound. Um, like, like I'll be right. Or like, I'm not going to like gamble like my dad does, or I'm not going to like be as, um, condescending to my, like, this is, this is big with women, right? Not going to be as condescending to my daughter as my mom is with me. And then they get 20 years older and then they start talking down to their daughter. It's that mm-hmm. type of stuff, right? We see that stuff all the time. Um, so, uh, cut to Valentina who, um, oh no, Bert, Bert sits down and he wants to know what they're talking about. Bert says he had a dream. I had a dream yesterday, just a dream you that did. we, uh, uh, we tracked down some old relatives, turned out to be a bunch of banshees and chased us out of town. <laughs> Bert, I think we all you know what Bert's telling us? Bert's telling us he's over it. He's over it. And I appreciate that Bert is over it. We were worried about Bert last episode, about the amount of disappointment, but like water off a duck's back, this guy. Cut to Valentina, who arrives a bit... <laughs> Ruffled? Not herself. I put in quotes. Not herself. Unkempt. To the front desk, and Isabella's there with... Uh, what's this fucking guy's name? Uh, Salvatore. 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 And he's telling her all about Ar- the arancini that my mother, mother made. Arancini, one white, one red, two different arancini. It's so nice... You know what? Hey, got a question for you. Do you know why one arancini might be red? No. Because the rice is cooked in red wine. I did not know that. I also got to give you credit. You can roll R's like nobody's fucking business, and I never realized it before. I, a little, little hidden superpower I got, yeah. <laughs> Salvatore. Uh, Isabella walks up and says, uh, hey, uh, what what about the Rocco? Hey, Rocco? Um, mm-hmm. Valentina looks at her and is like, um, and here's what happens. You ready? I hate this bitch. She rejected me. Hold on. I got laid last night. I'm in a good mood. Yes, of course. Yeah, let's bring him back. <laughs> it was that literal mechanical process. It was like going through a slot card to make it that conclusion. It really, like the actress plays it that way. It's almost like she got stage notes for that, right? They'd yeah. be like, no, no, no. Oh, I'm in a good mood. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and she does that several times this episode. And I, God, I hope she holds it because it's so much more bearable for her employees. And her is a boss now in this new mindset. Um, yeah, Isabella thanks her. Uh, says they'll be professional, be professional. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. Uh, Salvatore, Salvatore, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, but I have to send you back. He ignores her. Yeah, he does. This guy sucks, by the way. Yes. This is like a real low key part of this. Uh, this is why the writing is so good. This is a really 
I feel like a really rich show because there's these little things, right? Like yeah, Salvatore just character. sucks. He's just a bad employee. Yes, he is. And, and she says, Salvatore, Salvatore, sorry, but I have to send you back to the beach. Because Salvatore, you keep hitting on a girl that could be your... She says this shit. This lazy in fucking in everybody loud. <laughs> you keep hitting on a girl that could be your daughter. You put her in a difficult position. So please go back to the beach club and tell Rocco to come back here. That's a way to handle it. That That is a very direct way to handle it. And Salvatore still tries to talk back to her with that. I have a question for Spencer's HR department. Uh, okay. How would you advise Valentina on the message that she's giving Salvatore here? No, not that. Um, not that. Not in public. Not there. Not that. that you're being sexually gone. inappropriate with a uh, co-worker. Um, you wouldn't just broadcast in front of clients, customers. Loudly. With guests. Like, it's in the middle of the room. No. It, such things would be handled with a little bit more grace. But Valentina does not know how. What, let's give her credit. For this character... This is progress and a whim. That's sad, but it is. Salvatore says, hey, one day you want me at the beach club. But he sucks. He talks back to Absolutely her. He sucks. He's like, one day you want me at the beach club. Next day you want me here. And then you want me. What are, where next? And she goes in the kitchen, washing dishes. Run. <laughs> Kudos. That one was good. That, the confronting <laughs> about the sexual harassment, we, you know, timing, place, whatever else. That oh, one gosh, to a talking funny. back employee. Fuck him. <laughs> where to next in the kitchen washing dishes run what one of the best lines in the entire episode god valentina is back she's back spencer oh, she's back she is on her groove now this is very much stella got her groove back it really is it's like man if you could just get laid i guess i mean i, I guess then you just become like some super version of yourself at work it's valentina she's on fire cut to tanya who's sitting there just seems to be thinking she stands up, walks into another room. It's gorgeous, for sure. I mean, this palazzo is gorgeous. She's saying hello, hello to everybody. She walks into Quentin's bedroom, sees the picture again. So this is, this is we got an answer to this, right? Because we were wondering if she was going to remember this picture. She seemed to. It's Quentin with Greg. It's very clearly Greg. Yes. Quentin walks in, asks her what she's doing. Tanya seems slightly startled. Spencer, was this the first time we see Quentin kind of annoyed with her? We've seen a few signs of him being annoyed or even mocking her. This is one of the few times where he, this is one of the first times where he doesn't seem like he's being making that much of an effort to hide it. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant is that he's being yeah. openly annoying, right? Uh, annoyed, openly annoyed. Um, Tanya tells him she came in there that night four and she she thought she dropped about the photo, but here it is. Quinn says it's Steve. He worked on a dude ranch I stumbled upon when I was bumming around in my aspiring Kerouac days. Mm. We used to go fly fishing and drop acid together. Quentin says he doesn't know what happened to him. They lost touch. Haven't spoken to him in decades. This is the thing. Quentin, it's like he wants to get caught. Why leave that picture there? Like, and he, why say the things that he says? Like, Quentin is an interesting character. Like, why? Does he really want to accomplish this? It's one of those things where I think there's three ways to read this. Either A, he just does not respect Tanya enough to take precautions. B, as you said, he's just so obsessed with making this artistic and with elements of drama and intrigue and everything else that he almost feels compelled to include these little hints to just heighten the tension and make it all the more beautiful. Or option number C, he may just suck at his job. I think that could be a combination of the three. That would explain why he's broke, you know, because he's got this job to do and he just keeps undermining it constantly. I wonder if he does that at every job. Um, Tanya... Tanya comments on the striking resemblance to, Dre to Greg and Quentin, of course, plays dumb. Tanya says, well, the resemblance is uncanny. But I guess she's, that's it. That's just uncanny and she's going to move it, on. It, it, if, if there hadn't been more later, I think Tanya would have been willing to write this one off. And that's strange. 
Because if I saw, like, if I was just on a vacation and my wife wasn't there, and I saw a picture of my young wife with somebody, I'd be like, no, we're going to talk about this. This is strange. Yeah. Like, where's my hell? cell phone? A call needs to occur. And Quentin why tells her. Just, why doesn't she call Greg anyway? Well, she's mad at him, I guess. I mean, uh, she's pretty basic, dude. I, yeah, it's like so much of this can be resolved. You just call him on the phone. But that, that, nah. that thought literally never crosses her mind. I mean, she's to the last moment of her life. She still obsesses that he might be cheated on her. Like she's just, she just she's not four people. She's not real bright. Yeah. Um, Quentin tells uh, Tanya that they're leaving, and Mateo comes in to tell her goodbye. Mateo's crying as they depart. Spencer, why do you think Mateo is crying? I think Mateo didn't want to take part in this, but it wasn't didn't feel like he was in a position to stop it either. I think this is guilt. Man, you're projecting nice shit onto Mateo. Are you putting Spencer nice on Mateo? <laughs> I, I legitimately think he's feeling sad that she's going to die. I think that's just how to look at it. Yeah, I don't know. He, uh, he, he clearly says, is backing out. He doesn't want to take part in it because he no, doesn't go on the boat with him. Well, Quentin also could have sidelined him and said, you're not needed here. Um, maybe because maybe he, uh, he saw that he was feeling guilt about it. Sure, and wrote him off. I think I think I don't think Jack is remotely related to Quentin. I think Mateo is going to inherit this fucking palazzo. I think that's very possible because him and Quentin are kind of vaguely item, yeah. maybe. I, I think it's very possible. And hey, possible that if no one else is left to claim, Greg may give money to to uh, Mateo here in the end. Yeah, he'd sell it in a heartbeat. So uh, Quentin does have an interesting line when Tanya talks about the fact that Mateo is crying. She says, yes, t- Italians, they tend to get a little overwrought. Mm. British humor. Cut to Ethan, who is walking behind Harper. Uh, they get into the room. Harper drops her stuff. He can close the door. She asks, what's wrong? He says, you fucked him. Here we go. We're going to have the conversation. You ready to do this? Man's going direct. You fucked him. Ethan says, you fucked him to get back at me, but I did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And I have in my, I got in my, I got in my notes, parentheses, Q skeptical Spencer. So let me hand it off to you. Uh, The the guy did things wrong that he's still not admitted. Does he ever actually admit that He he did not cheat on her? That is a woman what? kissed him, and he stopped the woman from kissing him. Yes, and did he? Noti- did, I don't think he kissed her back. There's here's a fun thing. That's essentially what Harper admits to too. No, she admits to kissing him back, what? and also to setting the whole thing up, like having coming up to the room with him, having drinks with him. That's very different than your buddy brought a prostitute in the room and I, she kissed you, and you said no. That's, that's man, it is different. I, Let's I not will, equate the two things. I'm I'm with you that you know. Ethan didn't cheat. No, not, and but he's not still being fully honest. He is still intentionally avoiding certain details about what, what happened. What detail is he involved, not? T- you keep saying he, this. What is it? That he was happily participating in events leading up to the room. That he voluntarily went up to the room with him. That he did kiss the prostitute. And I, I, you may say the prostitute kissed him. He was kissing her back, and he stopped stopped himself. Whatever else. I don't think I don't view him as innocent of this as you do. Though I agree that he at least gets credit for stopping things where he did. He told her that one. they hung out he's, with the prostitutes. He told her that the prostitutes came back up to the room. I don't. I don't know what yeah, else he's supposed, he's, supposed just to, said, he's supposed to say. Is he supposed to say I enjoyed it? He's intentionally not revealed the kissing. Why isn't he saying that if, not, if he didn't do anything? He wrong? He said she matter. kissed me and I said no. No, he didn't. I don't I remember that. At yes, all. he did. Yeah, he did. He did. He did say that. He said she I'll, kissed me and I stopped it. I will have to go back and check because I do not remember that. Yeah, line. yeah, yeah. You just missed that part. So he okay. he, he did say. The, the, so the difference that we're having is that 
it's not that he didn't talk about the kissing because he did tell her she kissed me. But the issue that we're having is did he kiss her back, right? And that's that kind of the argument that, that, that we're having. Main, main issue is I, I did not remember that he admitted to kissing her. I, 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 I guess I missed that line entirely. No, knowing that now, it does change things a little bit if he admitted that detail. Yeah, but you're still skeptical. I can tell. I'm still skeptical. I still think he's, <laughs> I still, still think he's being a self-righteous ass. And, and she does the thing. She, you know, it's so funny that what is it two episodes ago maybe one episode ago she says stop trying to gaslight me because she tries to gaslight him here she goes are you okay she's like yeah. are you are you all right like are you do you have a problem like that's that's what, the fucking definition of gaslighting what degree is she intentionally trying to set him off here i honestly think is, i'm gonna is she take, trying to you know, pull a daphne I, we, there's probably some some listeners of us who are like you guys are being too mean to harper i, I honestly am going to take the the most I think gracious read of Harper here. I think Please. that she's, I think that she's scared. She cheated on her husband and she's scared that her, hu- her husband's going to know. And so it, she just is clamming up and not, she just doesn't want him to know. Like, and so everything that you're seeing here is just an attempt to not have to tell him what she has to tell him. Like she doesn't want to tell him she's holding it in. She tries everything. She tries it didn't happen. She tries, are you okay? She tries, you're reading too much into it. She tries going, reverting back to his situation. Oh, wait, it's not a condom on the couch like you, like you had. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, he just keeps pushing through everything. Okay. I was reading some interpretations online that were saying that she was intentionally following Daphne's philosophy of basically just trying to hurt him or trying to, you know, not be a victim and put things on him. But I'm kind of more leaning into your read. that I think that she fucked up and knows she fucked up and is trying to find some way out of it. Oh no no no! I meant I'm, I'm sorry. I misunderstood your question, and I should have let you finish it. So I um, sometimes I think I'm on on your on, online with you, and I, and I miss you. So I I was saying what she's doing in this conversation. I do think the reason that she cheated with him was she was taking Daphne's advice. Daphne is like sure low key the poison root in the tree. Like she's oh, yeah. the one that Succubus put this shit in everybody's heads. The sn- yeah, the snake in the tree. This. Sure, absolutely. But so I th- but I think she was guilt. She did she did regret it afterwards and i think she's genuine when she says she feels guilty let's 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 complete the scene and i want to hear from you to what degree she's playing hide the ball yeah i don't mean that entirely metaphorically ethan says Ethan gets past she says stop fucking with me i forgive you just tell me the truth she says um look i i I didn't do anything i didn't do anything he says look i saw you at the fucking bar ethan harper plays dumb about the bar and when she does that that's when i knew it was up right because you and i were disagreeing last episode about if they actually did anything you thought they didn't do anything i thought I, they did yeah. um when she says that she, when she plays dumb about the bar that's when i know yeah i'm like okay like, that's no, that's just a no. real yeah. cheap easy lie that she's telling because she's clamming up yeah yeah if, if you if you felt guilty enough to lie about that at that point where is this gonna go yeah so he screams why was the door latched harper continues to play dumb so she doesn't know ethan just looks at her and says yeah right um he uh, says, uh, she says, you're reading too much into it and, and says, it's not like you found a fucking condom on the couch. And he says, but the difference is I didn't do anything, did I? Harper, how do I know, Ethan? Because I told you, you asked me, so I told you, I told you the whole truth. This is, Spencer doesn't agree with that. Uh, Harper says, well, I'm telling you, I didn't do anything. Okay. Haven't I always been honest with you? And Ethan delivers a wonderful line. This is the only thing to be said in this situation. He says, yeah, but you're lying now. And that, that that is the moment right there. Whatever else I felt about Ethan, with that line, he's got the moral high ground because he is correct. And it's such a cutting line because there's no response yep. to it. It's like yep. everything says, else yeah, is you, bullshit. It's true. You, you don't lie to me, but you're lying now. Everything else can be perspective. Everything else can be bullshit. That moment right here, right now between us, 
You can't dispute that. Talk to That's me. That's when she broke. Like, she can't. He has called her on the carpet. And she says, eat the fuck off. He says, just tell me. And then it, I think this is when she decides to tell him the truth. He says, I can move on from this. I can't move on from this until you tell me exactly the truth. Because he gives her that little carrot. We can yeah. move on if you tell me the truth. Which is manipulative. He's being manipulative there. Right? They're because both, we don't, they're both being manipulative. Right? We don't know. Like, I, I don't think that Ethan really thinks he can forgive her here. Right? He's just saying that to get it out of her. Yeah. I, very much so. He, here, I'll say this. He does not know whether he can forgive her. At this moment. He's saying it, but he completely doesn't know the answer to that question. So, very manipulative from that perspective. So, something funny is about to happen in the recap. Because I'm about to say a line that's completely true. Yeah. But yet, I'm still on Ethan's side. Go on. Kind of. Kind of. I I don't know. I I don't know about sides. But I'm kind of, kind of on his side. Right? She says, okay, okay, we did shots at the bar. Yeah, I was really mad at you because of the hookers and the condom and the whole thing. That's a line she said to her husband. That's hundred yep. percent true. And I'm still over here, like, well, I don't know. Like, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's kind of insane. Yeah, and, uh, that that line comes. Like, well, that's a crazy thing to say to your spouse. Well, I was mad at you because the hookers and the condom and the whole thing. Well, one of the main things we had t- we hit Ethan for when he was giving <laughs> that was that he did not give her an opportunity to have her own emotional reaction in response to it. He immediately just said, "Well, don't overreact. Can't overreact. I didn't do anything wrong. You can't you can't react in any way that I don't approve of with respect to this." You and I jumped on hard for that. It's like, dude, that is A, just an asshole move, and B, not the right way to handle the situation. Because it leads to resentment like this. Yeah. Then he said, let's go upstairs. The night before dinner, under the table, he kept touching my leg or whatever. I was obviously drunk. So she's being honest there about what happened. So we went upstairs. I let him in the room. He latched the door, and then he kissed me. So he latched the door. He kissed me. If I'm Ethan, I'm not believing this shit either, because it does sound... Like, she wants to admit something, but she wants to minimize every single part of it. Like, it was his idea to come to the room. His idea to latch it. He kissed me. He touched my leg. Like, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe. But if I'm him, I'm going, this is a really convenient way to explain this to me. Because it sure makes you sound as innocent as possible. This is why I actually love the parallels between these scenes. Is that we got to see Ethan the scene from his perspective. We actually know what happened. We didn't get to see Harper inside of Harper's mind when she's hearing Ethan recount this. Now we've completely switched that. We didn't get to see what Harper did. And we're getting to see, from Ethan's perspective and ours, the doubt that goes into that self... What is the same way Ethan offered what could be interpreted as the self-serving account of what occurred. Yeah, so she it's, says... It's a, it's a fun twist. I agree. Uh, that's a great point. She says, I immediately regretted it, and that was it. Harper looks at her and says, so it wasn't for the hat. She's like, what? He said, you said you came up here for the fucking hat. She kind of laughs. He's like, it's not funny, which is kind of like in any conversation like this is extremely high tension, hard conversation for both of us to be having. If she does a nervous laugh, like that's not the moment to jump on her. In my opinion, like, I think you kind of let that go because she's just, she's just doing her best to get through the conversation. I think you got to be a little, little forgiving there. Um, uh, She says, no, it wasn't the hat. And that's kind of a tough thing to hear because that's her saying, yeah, yeah, I, I did came come up, up here, here to do this. I came up here to do this, basically. But then she goes on. It says, but it was nothing. It was a drunk, dumb nothing. It was it was less than nothing. It was dumb. It was drunk. She's just kind of perfectly. And then she turns it and she starts attacking. This is the, the <laughs> viper, the viper who, you know, the mongoose has hit it four or five times. It's bleeding out the side. But the viper says, I'm going to kill this damn mongoose before I die. And just latches. She says, but the real issue here 
is that you're not attracted to me. You make up excuses for not having sex with me. You read watch porn. Blah, 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 blah. Fuck you. That, that, you. according to Harper, is the real problem here, Spencer. That's the and, real problem. And this is the moment of where I was trying to give Harper some element of the benefit of the doubt. Because I was seeing, like, you know, oh, they're intentionally giving us Ethan's perspective. Oh, they're intentionally sowing seeds of death, whatever else. All that's debatable. What she actually did, we can debate to the cows come home. But that line right there, you're just being a jerk that's trying to deflect blame from yourself right now with that kind of line. Because that's not what this is about right now. That may be it's background. Not. It may be part it, of the reason for everything getting in motion. But what we're talking about right now is what you just did wrong. It's not, but I'm a little bit more sympathetic to Harper than you are here. Because I think that what she's saying is, you know, I was, I'm lashing out. Like, you you, you want to know why this happened. You're, at, you're, you're beating me up to know about this. This is part explanatory. Part of this is I'm lashing out because of my resentment around the sex issue. The way she says it is is pretty, like I told you, the viper attack of the mongoose. But I am sympathetic that she brings it up, and I don't think it's irrelevant to the conversation. I agree. And if she presented it the way you just did, I would completely give her, I would completely acknowledge Well, I'm Harper's point. defense attorney here, okay? Like, I like Harper. Yeah, I, and I get that. But Harper <laughs> did not come at it with anything resembling the angle and nuance that you just attempted. Harper just tried to make this all Ethan's fault. She said explicitly, uh, a little bit, I guess. that I don't is know. the people, problem. Not a people component. People don't talk articulately in arguments. I don't know. I, 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 I do give her a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I do. I do. Because I, I, it's hard. I mean, it is tough. I don't know. I mean, you're perfect, right? But like some people make mistakes, <laughs> some people make mistakes in, in relationships. And when uh-huh. your, your partner angrily confronts you about that mistake, it's pretty hard to not you know, get defensive, say something. I mean, sure. you know, because you you don't want to just completely admit that you're just the biggest pile of shit in the world. So the fact that she punches back a little bit, I'm a little sympathetic to, especially since it's kind of relevant to the action that occurred. If viewed in the moment later, if she does the, if she apologizes for it later, sure. We never get to see that in the moment. A person can do a wrong thing that can be understandable and that they can make up later. It's still a wrong thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. But Ethan watches her and he finally says, you're still lying to me. Yes, you are. I came up like 10 minutes after, which that's confusing because I didn't get the sense that it was 10 minutes after based on how they cut it. Um, They probably could have done a better job. Probably could have done a better job with the editing to make sure we knew that that amount of time had elapsed. Um, And he said, all you're telling me you did was kiss. You're lying. Now, here's my here's my punch back to Ethan here, because, again, Harper's a defense attorney. I like Harper. Yeah. Well, the bed was completely made. Her clothes were on within, ah, they say 10 to 15 seconds of you knocking on the door. Like it couldn't have been too much. Like, and I think he kind of knows that because he goes, okay, maybe you didn't have sex, but like something happened, right? He kind of gets to what I think. Cause honestly, I think what happened here is exactly the image they showed us last episode. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it very much was just that. I, I think, think they gave the us what occurred. Too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Harper then weakly claims they went up the wrong path. That's why it took him so long. You doing as Harper's no defense fit. attorney. I don't feel good about that answer. <laughs> Counselor, would you like a minute with your client to reconvene? I would please. Yeah. Yeah. Your honor. Could you please, uh, five minute like recess. To, like to talk to my, I, I my love when judges do that. It's like, I can't, I can't watch this either. Please fix this five minute recess. <laughs> that was tough. We went up the wrong path. Ethan just goes bullshit. He just immediately calling bullshit. She swears to God. They always like the bring God into it. Uh, he asked very bluntly if anything sex happened, anything's other than sex happened. I'm not going to use his language. 
Um, and she just kind of, and, and what I think happens here with Harper is she hits the wall. She basically is like, I, I've been, I've been punched enough. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Like, I'm not going to tell you anymore. Basically she's not. And I think he realizes it. He realizes she's just done. And he says, okay, I don't know what the fuck happened. But one thing I do know is he tried to fuck you and Ethan storms out. And at this point, I, you know that Drake meme where he's like standing up at the Clipper at the Toronto game, ready to cheer. Like yeah. I was that for I was like, let's go, Ethan. Let's go knock this fucker Cameron on his head. Like I was yeah. ready for a fight. Uh, we get a fight. We get attempted murder category. Ah, come on. Yeah, 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 no, come on here. This is this is your lawyer. You're 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 the part of the lawyer coming out on you that people don't like. That wasn't really attempted murder. They weren't. They, they, they was gonna. They were gonna let each other up. Before or after one stopped moving underwater, they weren't going to kill each other. They don't. They still like each other. Weirdly enough, like they do. Uh, it's strange, but they do. I, not, neither of them were thinking rationally enough in that moment to have stopped. They desperately need. You are some... wrong about that. You can. You've say never that, been but... in a fight. Have you ever been in a fight? No, no, nothing more than argumentative. See, that's the thing. Like that, a lot of times in a fight, like you, you. There's a there's there's lines when you're fighting your buddies. Like yes, he was holding them under what because what they were doing was displays of domination to each other. They were trying to show who's the most dominant, right? And so by holding him underwater, you're saying I have complete control over you. But neither one really wanted to kill the other one. I, I don't know this because I don't think they're friends. I don't think they're buddies. I don't. I, I think they've both fundamentally I'm gonna go realized that over the course of this trip. I'm what? gonna go a step further. I what? think he invests with his company. What the fuck is wrong with these people? That's gonna I happen. honestly do. At the end of it, I think he does. I, I'll bet they go to the Maldives next year. Like it's it's strange, but I think what that's what is they this up. world that these people are living in? I don't <laughs> understand it at all. <laughs> Ethan bangs on the door. Poor Daphne's like, "What the fuck is going on?" Ethan, I gotta, I gotta say, <coughs> sorry. Uh, I know it's not fun to listen to somebody cough on a mic. That's my my COVID coming up. Hmm. Ethan very rudely just walked into her hotel room. Very rudely. Um, starts pacing. He asks where Cameron is. Daphne, cool as a cucumber. This is the thing that people like about Daphne is how cool she is in these types of conversations. She's like, ah, oh, he's at the beach taking a swim. So Daphne has to know there is something bit like, she's like, what's going on? But like, when, I mean, she's, she's a smart lady with the weirdness at breakfast and now this thing. I mean, two she's got to be piecing yeah. this together. Absolutely. Right. So they cut away while Ethan storms to the beach. To all these older Italian paintings of really sideways shit going on in the paintings, yes. which is like a kind of a throwback to the intro, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. um, Ethan storms under the beach, yells at Cameron, she's trying to fuck my wife. Heck of a way to start a conversation. Yeah. Cameron, of course, does exactly what no, any good cheater does, plays dumb. Um, and he tries to gaslight Ethan a little bit. Ethan, have you lost it? Are you okay? People keep saying this to him. Like, have you lost it? Have you lost your mind? Yes. You know, that sort of thing. What, it's one um, of those things. Yes, he has. And you are at fault. Ethan says, is that why you invited us out here on this dumb fucking conversation? Time out. Lee, Lee is jumping Vacation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Vacation. Time out. Uh, here's the thing. No, he invited you on the vacation so you'll invest with his company. Yes. And fucking That's your wife was a sort of positive externality. Bonus. This is just a, yeah, there's a bonus. Uh, but he's here to get your money. Uh, all right. Back, back in. Ethan says, why are you doing this, huh? Cause I make more money than you now to feel better about yourself, huh? Ethan's pushing him the whole time they're doing this. Cameron says, try, Cameron tries to say they're friends, trying to gaslight him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're debating that. Ethan, one. Ethan very intensely explains, this is not some fucking girl I have a crush on. This is my wife. And that's an actually a really great lot. Uh, most of this is nonsense. 
I felt like that line was like he was conveying information. He was like, "This isn't college anymore. Like, this is my life. This is my what? this is the, my life partner that you're fucking with." We commented a few episodes back that some of Ethan's uh, things that he says to Cameron feel like he scripted them years ago. Yeah. Aspects of this feel like this is the, these are the things that he wanted to tell Cameron three girlfriends ago. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's it's all been it, yeah. It's it, that's it's what the writing is so it's so good and like anybody who's had that college experience and there might be like I don't know it might be comparative to like I have maybe even the military had a similar experience right where like you have this like collegial sort of and everything's sort of wild and weird but there is some weird lingering resentment from that that, that sure. can happen as you go into like like I, I resent the hell out of you for all kinds of things from when we were in college I mean obviously I mean people get that on the I, podcast I, all the time. I gave you every reason to I have no what again I, yeah, I do my understand. girlfriends and stuff you jackass I, I, I don't understand why Ethan's gonna invest money and I've got no idea why you do a podcast with me I know what I did <laughs> uh, but I do think this happens right and that's why it, that's why it's such good writing because it's just so relatable to that that collegiate experience like we just I don't know I can just see these I can just see these guys like I can just know them like oh yeah they, they were the crazy fuckers down the hall who were like always arguing about women and the one guy mm -hmm. was always like super dominant over the other one and like you know, you can just – it writes itself, right? Um, Ethan, dropping some truth bombs here, says friends don't try to fuck each other's wives, asshole. Friends yes. don't try to fuck each other's wives, asshole. Spencer, is that line of the episode, you think? Spencer's don't uh, – friends don't try to fuck each other's wives? No, I think that one's just understood enough. It didn't need to be repeated. I think that oh. is a perfectly fair assessment on the base minimum requirements for friendship. It's like if I drop this apple, it'll it'll fall. Like it's a gravity type thing. Like it's fundamental law of the universe. Yes, yeah. <laughs> friends don't try Cameron to fuck down. each other's fucking wives, asshole. Yes, okay. he pushes Cameron down. Cameron says he's crazy. They start wrestling in the water. Ethan first gets the upper hand, starts holding Cameron down under the water. Some random non-playable character comes running up, and then Cameron gets the You're upper hand the law. and starts to hold Ethan down until Ethan kicks him away. The NPC gets pushed by Cameron right as Ethan finally punches Cameron in the face. That's how I would have started this. I, I'm just going to let you guys know, like, if anybody gets in a fight with me, I'm going to punch you. Like, this thing of wrestling, like, mm -mm, that's mm -hmm. not how I do it. Like, uh, Different I, I style MMA coming out of you. I would have I would have ended this a lot faster. I, or I would have lost. But either way, we're fighting. Mm -hmm. um, Cameron just lays in the water and floats as Ethan walks away. Some hilarious 1980s romance music starts playing. Like, it's that. That, that was like, so like incongruous shit. right there. <laughs> starts playing as waves hit the shore um yeah so my read on this fight since we've gotten through the recap is different than yours i have been in like fights with like friends not like recently but like in my 20s um and and there is like i think what they were doing is they, they it, this was so, this is so much about domination who is the dominant alpha male right like between these two, as crazy as that sounds, I think that's what it is. And I think that what Ethan was doing was showing Cameron, like, I'm, I'm yeah. going to dominate you in this situation. Even if he probably couldn't have articulated it in that moment, that's what he's doing. And Cameron was just doing it back to him. I really don't think they were going to kill each other. I fundamentally agree with your perception and understanding of the first point. Very much I think that's what they're going for in this scene. I think this, I don't agree with you necessarily in the second, because I don't think Ethan had a clear end goal here. I don't think he had any conscious idea of when he would stop. I don't think he was fully in control. I personally think that if unless the NPC had intervened, that this could have been bad. See, he didn't. He hadn't lost control because if he lost control, he would have started punching right away. Like he would have done. Like because that's the, that's the thing. When people really want to kill each other, it looks like an MMA fight. Like it, it can it can end that fast. Like 
most of the time fights between friends last a long time because they're not really trying to hurt each other. They do dumb shit like this where they like wrestle or like knock a table over. But when two people really, but when two people really want to hurt each other, it's that thing, you know, that thing on, on MMA where right on the face, like, right. and, the, and, and the ref has to jump in. That's what it is, right? I feel like that's my, just my read is that if Ethan really was mad, like he's mad for sure. I'm not trying to say he's not mad. Certainly. But I don't think he's he's that, which we've talked about before in this podcast, that sort of like see red, completely lost control, potentially could commit homicide. If, I'm not if, sure he's there. If he ain't, he's close. Personally, for me, I think NPC Man is the greatest hero of the show. <laughs> I know, and he gets pushed for his troubles, too. Uh, what, um, what, a, what an unfair world. I got, I, so my headcanon is NPC is now, like, he's, like, the next day, he's at the hotel bar, like, and they were just slugging it out, man. And like, I had to pull yeah, one guy off. And then, each other. and then I had to like at left arm. I was, I was stalking the other. I mean, you know, and then there was a child. I don't know if you saw the baby out there, yeah. but I, I like helped the baby get out of the water. I mean, you know, it's all in a day's work. And, and while he was laying there, there was this beached whale that was just right there. And I was <laughs> there to help. I've always loved animals. You know, I've loved it. Anyway, yeah, another round, another rounds, yeah. everybody. Let's do another yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut to Portia Jack. Right? I'm the hero, right? <laughs> Portia keeps asking about the phone. She's not going to let the phone go. That's, the th- that's This is another hilarious part of it, of the writing from Mike White, is that, like, of all the things to do to someone of this generation, to take their phone, like, uh, you can't. Uh, come the on. ultimate affront. She's not going to forget that. Jack says he has a feeling she'll find it later. He's he's a little Quentin-esque. Just kind of tipping his hand. Oh, I, think you'll find it. I think you'll find it later. Portia says, well, I kind of need it. Portia all of a sudden very worried about doing her job. Um, Jack tells her that he can't call Tanya anyway. She's on the boat back to Termino. Portia's like, uh... How about me? Like what? 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 I gotta say this. Can I? Can I just say this? When have you ever stopped? Yeah. Well, you could tell me no at any point. Go on. I think that the the actress who plays Portia does an especially good job this episode. Like I've been kind of hard on that character. I think she crushed it. Some of her facial expressions during these conversations, like when she finds out that Jack was fucking Quentin. Her facial expression laid me out. And when she delivers this line later about you fuck your uncle, like she's really good this episode, I thought. No, I think she does quite well with the role. It's, her character is meant to be frustrating. That's not on the actress. That's, that's the actress doing well with the role. Portia asks how she's supposed to get back. Jack says, I'm going to drive you. Drive you. Show you around the island. Thought she'd like that. It's our last day together. Thought she'd like that, Spencer. I mean, he's a romantic, what, right? What a nice guy. Best vacation partner of the episode right here. Wonderful romantic guy. Then says he has to go take a shit. Uh, but when he gets back, he'll buy her a drink. <laughs> I, I, come on. The man knows romantic dialogue like nobody else right there. Look, if you... You, you want to date a soccer hooligan, this is what it, this is what it looks like, Portia, okay? You... you Please, consider this a PSA to everybody that's ever pondered dating a soccer hooligan in the past. This. And I don't want to, look, I, I don't I don't drink, right? So I, I'm not, look, please, please, people, drink. Drink and have fun. I, yes. I want you to. But Jack and the drinking, like, they're, Jack, they're telling us he's got, that there's something's wrong with this guy, right? Jack, I mean, Jack said last episode that he was in a deep, dark hole. We don't know exactly what that means. We're assuming a certain element of metaphorical here, rather than he was at the bottom of a well. But we thought he was maybe a drug addict, right? And like maybe that maybe that's, that addiction sort of transfers because he he does not stop drinking the whole fucking time. We see this I, character. I think there may also be an aspect of guilt going on here too. I don't think he's at all happy with what he's being called on to do here. You don't think he likes fucking Quentin scenarios? I don't. That's another deep dark hole he'd prefer not to be in. I'd say. Oh uh, my god! Oh, ladies and gentlemen! Sorry. sorry. Whoa! <laughs> Clearing it out. Yeah, I don't know, man. I. 
I don't get the sense he's homosexual, but we don't know no, for sure, I, I guess. I, I, I um, think I think that just adds to the discomfort and the manipulation going into the relationship. I don't think he's homosexual, and I think that's an aspect that's being put upon him as part of his obligation, as is everything that's being done with respect to Porsche. He, but he's doing the thing that people who who do you know drink a lot do, which is every everything is fixed by a drink, right? Because he, he tells her like, well, what you really need is a drink to just calm down. Like he just yeah. – that's always the answer. He was what? trying to push drinks under the last episode too. Like that's always sort it, of the answer. That's what that's what kind of cued it for me. It, it's both that and it's also an aspect of if I get her drunk, she'll stop asking so many questions and stop being so hyper aware of there being any problems Maybe. here. It's also a cover too. He's thinking they can go back to day one, Portia, and it's just Very not going to happen. <laughs> uh, she knows too much. Yeah. When he leaves, he leaves his phone. That's a little rookie mistake there from Jax as she looks at the phone. Um, thing that – Holds me up there as who doesn't have a, a code on your phone? Like, does he not have a a, a passcode to his phone? Really? Uh, apparently, is he not. a is he ninety five years old? Who doesn't have uh, a passcode on their phone? I have legitimately met people in our age group or younger that do not have passcodes on their phone. The stated reason being, well, it's annoying. So they exist. I don't understand them at a fundamental level, but they exist. I think like – I mean like most – most like I, I don't have anything on my phone that's like embarrassing. But there is financial stuff, right? There's like autofill for credit cards and stuff. Like that. that's the part that I would think you, you really need to what, be careful. I mean, like, maybe, maybe Jack doesn't have that. I don't know. I, I mean for me, all my firm stuff is also linked through my phone because they almost expect that now. It's part of your job that your, your phone is a means of being constantly in touch. I have to keep this thing locked and secure. There's also your millions and millions of dollars. I just wanted to do that with The Rock. Um, uh, sh- sure, me and my nine. <laughs> we did the two fifty conversation earlier. Me and my two fifty are very much tied to that phone. Your millions and millions. Yeah, uh, that that was a good two for joke because I got to do the rock and I also got to joke joke about you having a ton of money. So that was really good yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, it's kind of way to tell you. Just say that right now. You don't don't ask me for fifty thousand by the time this podcast is over. I wouldn't ask you for two fifty. Two dot fifty. <laughs> Two dot man, that's pushed it. You should throw it around no. made up numbers uh-uh. right now. Spencer splits the check. He goes Dutch. Got away to Tanya, who's telling Quentin that she's so impressed with all his stuff. I mean, it's just so beautiful. You clearly curate this. Quentin gives a sort of knowing look around and then he says that so many incredible palazzi in Sicily are in a terrible state. This is kind of what I'm telling you, Cameron was on top of this early. Um, when he said broke, that, you know, the, the broke nobility. All these, yeah, broke nobility. Uh, he spends most of his time get this, Spencer. He spends most of his time raising money. Does he now? Is that what we call it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's just in development, Spencer. That's his career profession, development. This guy is very much in the field. He basically is running a nonprofit, a nonprofit of him, and he is constantly in a fundraising state. <laughs> Racing money is quitting is something else. Tanya then says, and there aren't enough people out there worried about old buildings. So, oh man, (laughs) oh man, cue local conservatives. And when I say like, here's the thing, that word gets loaded, right? People think I'm talking about like Trump versus Biden or something. I'm not. Different category conservatives. I am talking about at the local level, at your municipal level, the conservative, which is the person who thinks I do what I want with my land. Cue their rant on historic preservation organizations right now, because I don't know if you've ever been around one of these people who have had a problem with a historic preservation organization and listen to that rant. But there's like a subset of people in this country that think the worst thing that we have going today, the worst thing going today is fucking historical preservation preservation organizations. Absolutely. It is hilarious to me. 
I have met a couple people that have gotten, you know, they've had a project interfered with by a historic preservation group. Oh, they boy. will. It, it is now the fundamental thing in their craw. They will at any available opportunity rant to the cows come home on the subject of those people being bastard coated bastards. So I knew a guy who lived in Pittsburgh. And Great town. It's not. It yeah, really no. isn't. It sucks. Uh, and it fucking stinks. Yeah, I've been to Pittsburgh multiple times. Sorry, people from Pittsburgh, all the listeners, but I don't like it. Um, I'm sure you have a good time there. Good for you. Uh, mm. But this guy had this house, and it was like in this super old historic area where it was like old like union people or mill workers. You know the whole Pittsburgh yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he wanted to do something to his house. The Historical Preservation Organization not just told him no. They told him he couldn't do anything to his house. At all? Any modifications Nothing. whatsoever? No. I mean, I think you could do like some paint and stuff, but like any structural change was off the table Just and they got that approved. I've never seen a more angry person. <laughs> and it made me so happy to watch. Not because I agree one way or the other. I don't know. I don't know the issue. It yeah. was just hilarious to watch this guy hit the roof because he couldn't, you know, change the window in his house or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that whole thing really, uh, that line was really loaded, Resonated. right? When she says, there aren't enough people out there with, who care about old buildings. Some would disagree. <laughs> Quentin tells her that their lives on earth are so very short, but the houses live on. So glad you agree. Yeah, he's he's irritated with her at this point. He's just. He is counting the minutes before he murders her. He's being sort of a jerk at this point. He, um she gets a phone call and Quentin seems confused slash concerned that she can get reception out on the water. And it's Portia. So Tanya goes off to talk to her and get better reception. Portia explains she's calling from Jack's phone because Jack stole her phone. She's pretty sure Jack stole her phone. Tanya says, listen, Portia, I know you really like him. But the other night I was walking around the villa. I saw Jack and his uncle and they were like naked. And Portia's response, naked, <laughs> like her, her neck kind of juts out. And <laughs> she's like, like what? Well, he was, wasn't Pilates. He's kind of. Fucking his uncle. <laughs> Tuesday morning, right there. I didn't have the heart to tell you before. I, yeah, I'm gonna wait till you after you sleep with him. You know, yeah. Like, I'm gonna wait till after you sleep hey, with him. You know, the guy you're now alone with, separated from me with, kind of. You likely had you know sex or unprotected sex with now at this point. Yeah, I'd love to die. Let me tell you the sexual history that I know. Portia's like, yeah, I uh, I think something bad's happening. Yeah, and, and like you know. I got to tell you, if Portia is picking up on a bad vibe, it's a bad vibe. Um, she says, I just have this really weird feeling that something bad's happening. Portia explains Jack got really drunk the night before and explained that Quentin's actually broke, which we all knew, and almost lost his house. It's about to get this giant windfall. And the whole time, I'm going, Tanya, come, come on, Tanya. Come on. Come on. You can come do this. On. I believe come in this. On, that little mouse in her head is running. It's running so fast. Come on, Tanya. Come on. And then finally she gets there. She goes, oh, wait a minute. Something weird did happen last night. She explains the picture with Quentin and Greg. Greg. Says, well, it couldn't be Greg. He doesn't know any gay guys in Sicily, but he did insist we go to Sicily. <gasps> then she hits it. The prenup. The prenup. If we divorce, he gets basically nothing. But if I, Portia completes the sentence, die, Tanya says, oh, my God, oh, my God. Portia then flips the script, tries to calm her down. It's like, I, I, uh, you know, I actually, uh, uh, I actually uh, think uh, we're going to be okay here. And they, they did this startling thing. Where Jack goes, oi, as he grabs the phone. It kind of shocked me a little bit as he yanked the phone away from her. Um, I kind of felt like she might be in some physical trouble there. What do you think? I, I, I think Tanya thought that way, too. But the phone call doesn't end. She just hears this intervening, and that kind of cuts off the conversation, which adds to her paranoia and concern going later in the episode. I agree. It's an aggressive kind of moment. 
But it is exactly in keeping with all the aggressive moments we've seen from Jack previously of where he likes to surprise her. So those we could have maybe written off as playful. Now that we are having serial killer concerns. It doesn't seem very playful at all. Not so much. Jack asks if it was an international call because that cost me money. Uh, Portia tells him uh, she needs to get back, but Jack keeps stalling. Ask her why she's being funny. Jack says, yeah, you'll get back. There's no rush. Come on, I want to show you Sicily. He goes to put his arm around her and she removes it as they walk. Mm-hmm. Tanya uh, comes out. Go ahead. If you're Portia, at what point do you run? Before this. I, I ran, I would have run the prior evening, honestly, yes. I mean, I, I tend to think that Portia probably, probably doesn't have a lot of money, but probably does have a credit card. Um, and she probably could, she probably does have like a credit line enough to get a taxi to get back to the airport or the hotel or something. I know it's a couple hour ride, but like, I don't think that she's without means to get where she needs to go. I would have run away immediately. Uh, last night, I would have gotten away and found a way to get out just because. There's well, we talked about that. We yes. thought she should have left and gone to the party as soon as he started all this shit about Quentin's broke, about lost his house, going to make a lot of money on a big whale soon. Like, yes. well, okay. We've gone beyond red flags. They're a shade of chartreuse at this point. Yeah, Tanya comes out and uh, sits down to Quentin. How's Portia? Has Hades dragged her off into the underworld? See, he's mm. always trying to turn a phrase. Um, you know, this guy, he, he was charming earlier. He's starting to rub me the wrong way now. But- it's fun, too, because that harkens back to Bert's story about Persephone from a few episodes back. Everything. It rhymes. That's, it's, a, it's a good, it's a well-written show. DDA and Quentin chuckle. Um, Tanya asks how long until they get there. Just a couple of hours. Enjoy the Ionian Sea while you still can. Bum, bum, bum. It's just so obvious, right? Tanya cringes. She's starting to get it now. Now I cut away to sand on the beach. I cut away to Ethan, who's walking on the beach, and he seems really upset. He seems like he's punching his head as he's walking. He does, ah, yeah. Ah, banging Can't his head. Can't deal with it. Can't deal with it. Then we hear the angelic voice of Daphne. Ethan, mm-hmm. come here. Sit down. I'm so this is the scene that won the internet. This is the big scene that everybody was talking about. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts about it. Let me let me do the let's, let's switch it up here. I'll actually do the recap first, then we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, so he walks over and he sits down. She greets him. She says, "You okay? You haven't really seemed like yourself the past couple of days. Work stuff." He says, "No." She says, "What is it?" And she kind of gets up and gets a little close to him. And he says, want to know? And she says, yeah. Like still, like it's nothing. That's and he says, I think, mumble, 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 Cameron and Harper. Daphne's like, Cameron and Harper what? Maybe something happened. And then we get this incredible sequence of facial expressions from Daphne, which God, goes from, my, my read on this is that she went from thoughtful to irritated to mad to sort of blase. To, and and the, the my favorite there was a million memes that came out of this facial thing that she was doing. Jeremy. They were they they the people the choreographers and the editors were, were were smart to give us the full sequence. They probably saw what she was doing and said, "No, we're going to focus in on her face and we're going to give them that ten seconds." The favorite thing I saw online was an image of her face, and it was like two file folders, and it was a new file of Cameron's cheating, and it was like memory denial and then like it, it was going to memory and then no, she just no, no, moved no. it right over to dial and just <laughs> filed it into denial that one made me laugh um what did you think of this facial ex- uh, sequence that won the internet i think there was a certain element of betrayal there too because i think she honestly was trying to be open and honest and supportive when it came to harper and the fact that it's harper that did this i think it adds some ways to the you don't think it has anything to do with cameron it's harper i think it's i think harper's the biggest issue yeah because cameron that's has, a really astute point i think Cameron 
whatever she feels about Cameron. It's a it's a relationship I don't understand. She thinks he's there. a little boy. She's yeah. told she said that multiple times. And, and we've seen before. There's an aspect of just facade that she throws up of being blasé, of not caring. If I'm above it, I'm going to get mine. I don't. This doesn't care at all. I think she's lying to herself, to try to cope, whatever. But I, I think there's definitely an aspect here of not just that Cameron cheated. She's been processing that in various ways before. But that Harper, someone that she opened up to, someone that she's tried to be a friend to, someone that she provided very honest, seemingly from her perspective, advice to, has now been that person. And I think that's just an extra personal attack on this. That and I don't think she's that really confronted to this, confronted in this way, maybe in a while. She said to Harper, "Most of my girlfriends are nice to me, and then they stab me in the back." And then Harper goes and does the exact same thing that Daphne said. I think that's not that's that's not a point that I had really teased out, and it's not a point I saw people making online. I'm glad you made it. It's a great point that I do think it's the fact that Harper did it is why you got that mad because there was a two or three seconds of. She was really pissed. There was an aspect of that face that we saw Cameron make a couple times of where there was that just concentrated, intense anger, but it was just passing. It was just a, it was a line behind her eyes as we moved on. And I think what she figured out is there's a move here that fixes everything. <laughs> That's what she was wage pain. In her mind, I think yes. she's thinking there's a move here that fixes everything. She says, I don't have, I don't think you have anything to worry about. I mean, we never really know what goes on in people's minds or what they do, right? And that's true. You spend every second with somebody and there's still this little part that's a mystery, you know? You don't have to know everything to love someone. A little mystery, it's kind of sexy. I'm a mystery to myself. I bet you are. Mm -hmm. Good Lord, you're a mystery to me. Honestly, I surprise myself all the time. I believe that in all caps in my notes. I think you just you just do whatever you have to do to not feel like a victim of life. You know, I've heard that one before. Just use your imagination. She licks her lips and says, "Have you ever been over there to Isla Lobella? Looks so cool." She gets up. Come on, walk with me. I knew it was going down, down right then, and I thought Ethan. I thought there was a zero point zero percent chance Ethan Ethan wouldn't do it because it just it. This is the thing. Like I think what they're saying. And then I'll shut up is that I think what they're saying is that for a lot of people, they keep a weird scorecard in their head and that that's the, that's the ugly truth of a lot of these relationships is that people keep a scorecard. And what this move does is just even it balances out all the ledgers in one fell swoop and allows everybody to move forward. Daphne falling on a grenade. That's what I got to say. A pretty good looking grenade too. Uh, I, I don't understand why the lead writer tried to be namby pamby about whether they did it or not. I have they no did. Doubts. He wasn't. Yeah, I, he, he, I don't know whether exactly the episode or on Twitter. I can't remember what he was saying. I, even I'm not sure whether they did or didn't. It's like, no, they did. You wrote. No, it, they, did. they did. Obviously, they did. I, I have no doubt in my mind that they did. But I think I'm, that I, I think that part of what they were doing is that Cameron and Daphne are the same. But they, they show the ugly part of cheating through Cameron, and they, they don't let you see the ugly part of it with Daphne. They let Daphne rise above it. Because if they showed Daphne just in the throes of it with Ethan, it would get ugly real quick. And they don't and, let that happen. And I wonder to a certain degree whether they're playing with gendered stereotypes to there to a certain degree. Because there, yeah, there, is, there is a trope to a certain degree of female cheating is in some ways seen as empowering, heroic oh, yeah, response absolutely. to male cheating. Whereas the male cheating yeah. is just selfish and self-absorbed and everybody else. And I think they're twisting that to a certain degree when it comes to Daphne of where she's viewing it as this is what I need. This is balancing the books. This is reaffirmative. 
but as you said, they're, they're just this, they're this, they're a perfect pair for each other when it comes to this. They view life as just a collection of of, of new conquests and score and scores to rang up on the board. Yeah. So the. He, Ethan looks like he's been hit by a Mack truck after this conversation with her. She kind of floors him, but she gets a, and as they're walking, she's like turning and like biting her lip and smiling and egging him on. And they clearly go behind a place into a very secluded area. I don't know why. I think, I think they were probably just, the writer was just playing a little coy with us because it's pretty obvious, pretty obvious that they, they hooked up there. Um, so let me explain something that happens in sports for you, Spencer. Uh, go on. So, you know, we both went to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Goats Tar Heels. Tar Heels. Now, the basketball team last year made this epic run to the national championship game. That even it, permeated to you. You even I knew even, about this. I even watched a couple games. So, everybody comes back. The whole team, we're going to run it back. And they're the number one preseason game, preseason team, right? And they, out the gate, they get five wins, but they don't look great. And then they have this stretch of... They got to play in neutral sites on the road. And in the whole time, this is, it's it's like a two week period. The whole time it's happening. It's also finals week for Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. And so they lose four games. Now, then they have a week break and they get to come home and play Georgia Tech at home, which is a worse team. This is what we call in sports a get right game, right? They get all week. They get all week. Perspective, yeah. They they get all week to practice. Yeah. They get to they get a little little easy soft game at home. It's a get right game. I'm just saying, Daphne and Ethan walking into that that Isla Lobella seemed to me like a get right game. For well, and that's what Daphne's offering him. That is what she's saying it's about a get right. Th- th- this is it's how also I for can... her a little bit because I think that's how she moves forward with Harper. Well, and she's basically inviting him into her means of coping. She's like, this is how you can deal with this. This is how I deal with this. Whether that's healthy or not, let's unpack later. In the meantime, let's go fuck in the sand. Yeah, and we've talked about that. Bad Don't move. Fuck they, sand. You got to hope it's a stand-up situation for these two because on the sand, it's bad. But I think, yeah, get right game. Thank you, Daphne. Cuts Quentin and the boat drops anchor. Tanya insists to go back to the hotel. Oh, no, you're gonna, are you bored of us now? You know, he's doing that whole thing. Um, which stops Tanya in her tracks. He explains they can't go any closer to the boat they're on, which probably isn't true. Uh, but the N- Niccolo will be coming to take her by boat to the shore after dinner. Tanya's then like, just him and me? And Quentin's like, one last rendezvous. What's not to love about that? Um, so he's continuing to sort of like try this. Uh, we're giving you this great experience angle, right? But he, he seems to be losing steam with it a little bit. Yeah, he He's... No longer trying as hard to maintain the illusion. Uh, he is clearly frustrated. He's clearly exhausted with dealing with her. He just wants this to be done. And now he's got all his pieces on the board for his final checkmate move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cut to Valentina and she sees Mia walk in. Mia seems happy. Or Valentina seems happy. So does Mia. Yeah. Uh, she compliments her. They make a little small talk. It's really something else. I mean, Valentina, human being. If you Apparently, if you just mix in a little sex into this weird concoction of her. You got a normal person. Uh, who saw that coming? I think Harper would agree. This is a weird kind of th- a, a, a sub-theme throughout the show that a certain element of sex makes everything better. It does seem to do that for Harper. But, but we, we just get a little bit. But yeah, Mia tells her that she's having a great day because she gets to sing. So she's telling her, I like my job, basically. Valentina asks if uh, she, gets to, she gets to hang out that evening. Valentina wants to run it back. Mm-hmm. 
That's another sports thing. Let's run it back. Uh, Mia, um, although I think you – Mia says yes, but then yes. she says, I think you need a real lesbian lover. And she's really Fair. skillful in how she does this because basically she's like, look. I'm not gay. I can help. I can do this for you for a while. That's not a problem. But long term, you're going to need a full timer. You're going to need yeah. somebody who plays in this field, plays in this sport all the time. Valentina, weirdly enough, doesn't get offended by this. Mia says, I know a lot of hot girls who are gay, crazy clubs, whatever you want, Lucia and I will take you. And Valentina's like, okay. She, she seems in. She's like, I, I was like. It's I, wonderful, I, isn't it? It was one of the things where I was like, she was going to be offended. She was going to be hurt. She's going to crush on this woman. But she sees this so much more, I, I'll, I'll dare say maturely. It's like, yeah. okay, I understand what this is. I understand what it can lead to. And I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. I'm looking forward to that. Let's go do that. It's like. Valentina, where were this? Where was this Valentina all show? Just had to break through the the, the one one time. I guess she just had to say some sex at first. She's, Mia then even says tonight I don't mind being together, which I think some people could be offended by. But I think Valentina just takes it as like, okay, well I get to do this tonight, and then yeah. she's going to basically like teach me how to like go out and fish. I guess. Um, Valentina looks over to see Rocco. He's touching Isabella's back, and she goes Rocco. You know, like I think she just like reflex, and then she does the same exact progression. It's I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad. Oh, hold on. I had sex. I'm in a good mood. Welcome back. Yeah. It, 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 it's the exact same just clicking of gears that you described earlier. And then Giuseppe walks back in. Uh-oh. You know who Giuseppe needs to talk to? Mm, Harper. Tell. Harper. Wrongful employment. That's who he needs to talk to. God, yeah. Fired, uh, fired, under, fired under these terms. <laughs> uh, Valentina then rushes off the phone, runs into the lobby, and then we have this scene where Giuseppe sees me at the table. I gotta say... If you want to feel bad for Giuseppe, he doesn't do himself any favors here because he's pretty pretty mean and nasty to Mia. He's like, why are you sitting here? You, you don't belong at my piano, basically. Um, because, I mean, you know, let's say Giuseppe was going to get his job back. Mm-hmm. It still is reasonable that somebody would have played for those couple nights well, when he was out. Also, That's still a reasonable thing. I, I also think there's an element of, you did poison me, and I've not forgotten that. I think it's also a certain element of grudge against Mia, too. Hmm. That was yeah, incidental poisoning. Um, Valentina explains, <laughs> Let's write that one down on a t-shirt. Incidental poisoning. Yeah, that's what it was. Valentina explains that she hired her while Giuseppe was away. Giuseppe said, good, we'll get rid of her. And that's a fast. Valentina says, no, I can't. Give her the job. Meaning, from this moment on, Mia will be our pianist. It's the guest. They prefer her to you. I'm sorry, Giuseppe. It's meritocracy. <laughs> People have spoken. People have spoken. I don't have to tell you. You're fired. Get out of here. Uh, it's one of those things that we're... Her assessment's not incorrect. It does seem that the you know guests, particularly Bert, seem to like Mia better. Not the actual reasons or motivation. And you're also kind of firing a guy that's coming back from medical leave. U.S. law might have some concerns. You ain't, you ain't the U.S., buddy. And I bet you in Italy you can do that. I, I don't know, but I'm just I'm just you know if we, we're, we're gonna put some we're gonna put a couple dollars on it. I would bet you can do it in Italy, or I would bet that the recourse is so difficult that it doesn't matter. Possible, yeah. Particularly soon, like uh, a five-star hotel. God help you. Good luck when you're Giuseppe. Um, so, geez. He needs a Harper. He, he needs a Harper. Giuseppe says it's a conspiracy, and Mia gives him this, like, dude, just don't even fucking bother me right now. Valentina says, don't make me call security. Giuseppe says, fuck off. And what I love about this little moment, right, is that, like, Giuseppe says, fuck off. They could have easily just ended it. But they they gave the Valentina, you don't, it doesn't matter the situation. You don't say fuck off to Valentina because she goes, hey, like even in this situation where she's kind of in the wrong, she still fires right back at him. Like she's just punch. She's a puncher, basically. 
what it's what she does. Mia is also just delighting in this too. She's oh, doing like yeah. so, cute waves at him too. Yeah, that was that was below the belt. We could say. That, I had a that, question for you. Mia's below, Mia does a lot below the belt. Are, are you happy for Mia? I am happy for both Mia and Lucia. I will. All, I cannot. Well, we will talk about them. Lucia separate. Let's just talk about Mia right now because I feel like it's fundamentally a different situation. I, I'm happy that Mia has accomplished her dream. I'm happy she ends this season in a better position than she started. I'm happy that she didn't die the way I was thinking that was going to happen to this character over the course of the season many times. I'm all for that. I am feeling a little bad with respect to what happened to Seth. He's a creep. He's an asshole. He did his own issues with respect to that, sure. But is this character also quite manipulative herself? Yeah. Yeah, she is. She knows what she wants, and she's willing to hurt or manipulate people to get that. Same way as Lucia. I am a little bit more... Well, first off, I like both of them, and I'm glad for both of them. So let's give them both a round of applause. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, thank you. I'm a little bit more happy for Mia than Lucia, right? Because, like, Mia... I don't think Mia really did anything wrong, really. I mean, it, she did not mean to poison Giuseppe. She literally was trying to give she him She gave Viagra. him both like, pills at the same time. It was at least reckless, if nothing else. Well, yeah, dude, there, you cannot look at that situation and think she was trying to poison him. That was She was literally trying to get the man erect to have sex with him. That's what she was trying to do. She just failed at it. Like, it, it, for everybody who's taken the, an incorrect pill at some point in their life, I mean, it, it, shit happens. Um <laughs> We talked about she didn't, like, go to the hospital with her check, though, which was a little bit, you know, callous, if nothing else. That's not a – that 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 is nowhere near a reason to write her off. Like, that's not, that's a that's I'm a not, very minor, minor I'm, thing. I'm mentioning the back. She barely knows the guy. Plus, he's, he was creeping on her and being a, a jerk, and he was then sexually, like, leveraging his power over her to try to, to – he's leveraging his power over her to have sex with her. You know, instead of just like being a human and like helping somebody who can, who's good at the profession. So which no, is, no, I don't feel bad that she didn't go to the fucking which, hospital with him. No, I don't. Feel bad which has ultimately that. become Mia's personal philosophy for personal progression. So let's not forget that either. Well, the, the world's taught her something, right? Like, but no, I, the fucking creep Giuseppe doesn't doesn't get my any 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 sort of like emotion I don't know about from me or from I do, just acknowledging he's getting screwed over. Yeah, but like, uh, I'm just saying, like, he 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 was he was leveraging his power over her to try to have sex with a younger woman. He did. And we're saying that she should have gone to the hospital with him? Fuck that guy. She um, poisoned him, but yes, fine. I'm with No. You. Fuck that guy. Um, where the hell was I going with this? Oh, oh, yeah. And the second thing is what she does with Valentina. I'm willing to call this a charity case, is what I'm willing to call it. Okay, go on. She just helped her. She was just helping somebody along. You know, Valentina was strung super tight. Um, and, you know, she was struggling with identifying with her sexuality and accepting it. I mean, Mia just opened the door, brought her right in. I mean, she now she's in the club. Valentina's a new woman. I mean, shout out to Mia for being a humanitarian is what I'm saying. I, I, I will agree that that is seemingly, at least in our short term, the outcome. No question, can't debate that. Was it the intention of the character going in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it has worked out well. All right, so that's what we do now? We judge everything based on intention, not outcome? I think the intention has to go in to some degree, yeah. Nah, fuck, nah. Mia gets a, Mia is is close to a winner without an asterisk of anybody in the episode, I think. 
There are a surprise... This is one serious difference, I feel, between Season 1 and Season 2. I feel there are many more winners into this season than there were at the end of Season 1. Certainly true. That is 100% true. It was like no winners in Season Everybody was depressed. Everybody yeah, was there depressed were some winners having, here, for sure. I think, I, I, would, I, I think most of them have an asterisk, but I feel good with her. I, I, most of them have an asterisk, but I feel like she doesn't get a... She doesn't have much of an asterisk. I, I'm highlighting the negative on purpose because I know you like her and I'd like to take the piss, yeah, yeah, piss yeah, in yeah, your sails sure. to a certain degree. But I will agree that she her her negatives are with despicable people and her wins are legitimate and impressive. Yeah. So um, then we get a great conversation with Jack and Portia where uh, Jack is uh, bragging that his car wasn't towed. So, you know, <laughs> good job, Jack. Um, then Portia's like, can you just cut the shit? Am I being kidnapped or what? Jack's like, what are you on about? She says, uh, I know you stole my phone. Jack's like, are you mental? Like, it's just a constant thing. We've right? heard that people, how many times? Yeah, when people are, like, questioning things, like, hey, have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? Yeah. Or she says, please, can you just tell me the truth? I know you've been lying to me. I know Quentin isn't your uncle. Jack says, yes, he is. Line of the episode delivered. A plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you fuck your uncle? <laughs> that stops the conversation cold. <laughs> There are some lines in this show that it's just, you know, before the season started, we knew nothing about it, right? Because it's a brand new story every season. Wouldn't have seen if that. If I'd have told you we're going to get a ser- we're going to get a line that it, in all seriousness, a character says, "Yeah, so you fuck your uncle." <laughs> Would have bet against it. Would not have put <sighs> money on that one happening. What a show. I feel like almost maybe they work backwards. Maybe they just have a Mad Libs where they say, "Yeah, how about we say fuck your uncle?" Then we try to figure out a plot to get there. Yeah, fuck. Uncle. Okay, episode seven. We make this happen. Jack takes back a bit, and he's like, what the... F-? He finally looks here. He gets angry a little bit, and he says, well, I was going to drive you around the island, but I'm, I'm not really in the mood now. So I'm just going to drive you back. He says... Uh, she's like, I can get a cab, and he very sternly says, takes a couple hours, she can't afford a cab. How the fuck does he know what she can afford? Hmm. He says, anyway, my uncle made me promise to drive you. You don't want me to get in trouble now, do you? Just let me do my job, yeah? She's like, how am I your job? If I... You, you assigned to me, though? Oi! Leave it alone. Leave it alone. And and that I, I was worried for her physical safety. I don't understand to any degree why she got in the car in the first place. I can't understand. It I, it was the same moments like when you and I have watched sl- slasher films previously and someone voluntarily goes into the bathroom in the dark when the when the, you know the serial killer musical motif is going off in the background. It's like, girl, you forfeited your right to breathe today. You voluntarily getting in that car right now. So haven't you answered your own question in previous episodes, though? Because you've talked about Portia and this concept of inertia with her, how she just kind of gets caught in something and she can't ca- can't, can't stop moving forward. Excellent point. Excellent point. That is in keeping with the character, even if it is frustrating. Cut to Tanya does this is hilarious, hilarious, but super smooth. I mean, the smoothest walk you will ever see. She comes out, cool as a fucking cucumber, turns a corner. Wham! Starts running. That is a yeah. funny sequence. I, I that, love that. I, I'm going to miss this actress so bad because it is really, really genuinely funny. It's one that we've not given her credit for so far. I hadn't thought about it, is that she does great in terms of the mannerisms and the, the general personality she brings to the screen. She does great physical comedy too, particularly in this episode. She literally gets gets a starboard and she drops her phone. Now she's looking all around. She sees the captain. And she has to go back by Quentin, which is so weird. This and says, boat this is, boat so is huge. Goes up to the captain's deck. Perfect. Per, I mean, just uber logic. She says, do you speak English? No. And he says, no. And she proceeds to, to tell an extremely 
extremely complicated story in English to him. <laughs> yeah, it goes on while he's just sitting there with just, you know, trying to nod along. Do you know these gays? I know it's gay. <laughs> yeah, because like she's also like she's also old school, Mike. Right? Because I don't feel like someone young would refute would, would would refer to a group of gay men as gay. The gays, uh, again, they just be the guys. Gays they just has be been her they default just, term. Like for her, it's still like novel to be hanging out yeah. with gay people, which is like not in keeping with the younger generation. So she's also showing her age in the conversation. Right? So I know it sounds crazy, but my husband. He knows Quentin. He brought me to Sicily, so he, he left so he could have an alibi. And then these gays, they take me off to Palermo. They set me up with this guy in the mafia. He's going to kill me so they can decorate their house or with my money or some shit. I, I need you to drive me to shore, please. Line of the episode. These gays, they're trying to murder me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the part where I was like, like okay, I, I know I know it disappoints a lot of people, but the show has always been a comedy. Like, it is. Like, it's supposed to make you laugh. They're going for it here. It certainly made me laugh. It's interesting, too, because it's an aspect of shooing off the clowns. Because Tanya has always been the most comic of characters, and she and her plot line are the only ones that die. Oh, they'll bring more comedy, don't you? Oh, they'll they'll bring it. They'll flex. They'll flex hard next episode with some new characters. For Tanya's. Uh, the poor captain has no idea what she's talking about. She says, I need you to drive me to shore. Yes, she said the whole thing. Um, he finally responds in Italian. She misunderstands. She thinks he's saying he's gay, but he's not. He, he's, he's saying another Italian word that kind of rhymes with gay. Um, he doesn't speak she, English. So she looks at him like he's the enemy, and she says, oh, my God. The gays and are everywhere. Around, the he, gay the, agenda. Gays, the gay are everywhere. Yeah, the gay agenda. That's the gay agenda. <laughs> so, it's very much the gay agenda right now. <laughs> Oh, gosh, it's the gay agenda, Spencer. They're taking over everything. Tanya meeting her fate. Um, Nicolo drives up in a dinghy. Uh, Nicolo parks and walks on board. With a very ominous backpack. I saw a man named Fate. He had a, bla- a black jacket on. His name mm. is Nicolo. He walked aboard Walked aboard the ship. I cut away to a fallen cross. Uh, imagery. Imagery. Symbolism. They are not, not subtle with that. Nope. Um, Those islands in them have just been beating us with that symbolism. I feel like their their writers' room, like the people who are writing the dialogue and the plot, are like PhDs, and then I feel like they they have this like cutaway part that they gave to like a kid in high school who who like fashions himself like a real English person, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I know what we could do. We could do a fallen cross. It's like, oh, that's not obvious at all. Hey, Mike White uh, had to approve it in the end. Apparently, he wanted it to be as blunt as possible. I think, honestly, I think it's comedy. I think you're supposed I, to look at some of the cutaways and just laugh. How many times have we used Mount Etna erupting in some shape or form in this show? We're going to see like the it last thirty minutes times. of the show. Yeah. yeah, we see Cameron and Daphne walking and talking. They seem completely fine. Yeah. And as they walk, Cameron slips an envelope to Lucia, gives her a look like, "See, I told you. Shoot, thank God, he paid her." I would have lost money on that. I, he paid her. I, no scenario did I think he was ever going to pay. I didn't think he could pay. But man came through. Look at that. Paying his debts. Cameron always with a surprise. I didn't I didn't think there was a chance in hell he was going to pay her. Damn if he didn't. He slipped it, slipped it to her in the last and, day. And he makes it cool, too. Slips yeah, it in nice and suave. Gives her a little like a finger gun thing as he walks away. He does. Yeah. Cameron looking suave. Never thought I'd say that oh. sentence. So she thinks that's her payday of the day. She thinks yeah, that's the payday. That's a whim. <clears throat> cuts Ethan and Harper. Know. Little does she know. Cuts to dinner <clears throat> at Harper. Cuts to dinner at Ethan and Harper. 
And Harper looks really upset. And one tear comes down her eye. Um, painful to watch these two like this. She wipes it away. They see Cameron and Ethan and damned if they don't walk over. <laughs> Unbelievable. This is again the moment of where, no, they're not friends. Because these guys are flabbergasted that these people would walk over right they're now. They're friends. I'm telling you, they're friends. Um, Two of Harper, them think such. Harper speaking for all of us says, you've got to be kidding me. And the most amazing thing happens, Spencer. Against all odds, somehow, some way, I still underestimated the level of denial that that Daphne and Cameron were willing to put on because they literally sit there and act and as if the weekend, the week has been perfect. It's a, is it even? Conscious? It's a masterclass. Is it even conscious on their part anymore, or is this just they're so used to wearing the mask they don't remember what they actually are anymore? That's a great question, and I think you'd probably need multiple professionals to figure it out. We are, we are not equipped to unpack the psychology of these two fictional characters. But it is a it's elite. That's what I talked about before. Jordan LeBron level denial. That is absolutely what we're getting here. Um, Daphne and Ethan do a little smile. I don't know what you call this. There was a little teeny brief Daphne Ethan smile at that dinner because they're sitting across from each other. Just a bit. Uh, they gave you just just a little high high. Stop, stop playing coy. They did it in the sand. There's just there's, there's no debate here. Of course they did. Yeah, absolutely they did. It's a get right game, Spencer. Now 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 Carolina's beating teams by thirty. I never. I w- I'm so delighted that you gave me this term because Gaffney is running on a get right game strategy. Absolutely, that is, that, she is. That, that, that me, is how she is get home. her entire team. Let me get home. Let me get a couple easy ones. And uh, I'll have the confidence back, and I'll be back trainers. out there. Just bang out a couple trainers, make back, this work. Back out there, taking down top ten programs. Cut to the DeCrosso family walking in, and Mia stops Bert and tells this is a cute moment. Tells him that she got the job singing there because she said last episode, like you're my first fan, right? Yeah, so she wants he was. to tell him. He says congratulations, and then she excitedly hugs him. Uh, made his trip because the sad reality, sad to me anyway is that getting attention from a beautiful woman will always be the currency for Bert. Yeah. It it just, it's not it, like it, it's just not going to change. Like and that he, is what makes the trip. And he's not a sleaze about it. He doesn't do anything wrong with respect to it, but this is what his life runs on regardless of age, regardless of moment. He's going to highlight it later in a delightful line. Then we have Dominique and Albie. They're sitting there. Dominique says, I did it. My karmic payment. Money's transferred. It's all handled. But let's not make a big deal. I pretend it not happened. Pretend. I'd like to pretend it never happened. Okay. So this is the type of, like, this is what I'm saying about his money, right? Because he's able to, like, let 50K go. And, like, his wife doesn't know about it. Like, nobody, like, he can just forget it. Like, it's not a big, like, he's got big money. Like, yeah. it's it's serious. And that's why when, like, I I want to make that point because I, I kind of diminish the fact that she scammed them. And she did, and it, and it was she lied, and she did a bunch. Of, I mean, she did some amoral stuff, she but ultimately, crime. ultimately, you're taking water from a whale. You know, like it's like there's plenty of it in the sea. I don't know what to and, tell you. And I'm with you on that. I, I, I don't. I don't think it's enough to completely take away from you know the sin, as it were, of the crime that she's committing. But it takes off some of the sting for everybody involved. Yeah. So he says. Um, and although it's not why I did it, bullshit, mm-hmm. maybe someday you can put in a word for me with your mother. And Albie says, I already did it. And I've been waiting to ask you this question. Spencer, do you believe that Albie has already done it at that point? I don't actually know. 
it's one of those weird things of where I had some people say, "Oh, it's because he thinks his father changed." Oh, it's because it wasn't the, it wasn't the, really the money. He really is just doing it because he thinks it's the right thing to do. I'm like, that is not how I'm reading Albie. It's not Me. how I'm reading that at all. It's like he clearly does. It, at some point, he does because Dominic talks to his wife before the episode. But it's right after dinner. Like, so I know. It, it makes me think that Albie might have already done it. And then I'm that that makes me question everything because I thought this was completely transactional. I still view it as completely transactional, but I think he may have given his father a bit of a prepayment. I think he. Re- I think before he sees Lucia, he runs to the bathroom. He goes, "Mom, let me tell you how great Dad is." <laughs> He's just that much of an asshole. He lied here. It's the only way that I can I can make it make sense in my head because if, I don't, he, if he did it beforehand, then then he he truly wasn't. It, it, it wasn't all about do this thing for me and then I'll do this thing for you. I don't know. We have such conflicting evidence when it comes to this. This is such a weird little addition that completely throws everything we had before on its head. I don't know how to perfectly square. I don't know. I honestly think it doesn't make a lot of logical sense. And I think what the what the writers were doing is they're, they were winding down and they wanted to, us to land at a point where the DeGrassos were good, where they all or love each other and them. they're happy. And this was a cute little line to throw in to make them all like each other, but I don't think they oh, thought look, through it logically. Yeah, it, I, I, that's a fun read on that. Of where this is just a this is meant to be a father son bonding moment that's un, that's divorced from cash or manipulation or anything else. We're meant to find it sweet, and they're rebuilding their relationship, and just kind of turn off your yada yada with the details when it comes to it about whether it makes sense what we've seen previously. Right. Cuts of me as singing and Bert sits down. He explains that the sweet girl gave him a hug, and he got tad aroused. No sense here from Bert Spencer. You want to say this next line? Uh, no, it's it's a natural reaction. Our Achilles' heel is an Achilles' cock. It's it's like a Greek curse. Yeah, it is for that family. Very for that family, so. it is well said. Absolutely, it is. I think he's nailed it. Uh, I, I enjoy the implication that if we keep to the Greek myth, it means that they were held by the penis as they were dipped into the river sticks. But you know, that's a different way of holding the baby, I suppose. Albie asks if he can pass on dinner. Tells Dominic he loves him. And uh, Albie kisses Bert on the forehead. Bert's like, what the hell is that about? So cut to the most hedonistic couples retreat I have ever seen. And Cameron now wants to make a toast. I, I, I'm amazed that we did not know that these two went to Yale. I, I, I would have figured that they, 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 this would have come up at some point given the natural tendency that people that went to Ivy League to brag about it. It is sort of the big... It is sort of the most surprising thing in the whole show is that they haven't mentioned Yale yet. To, probably to the prostitutes. That's when you would think it would have come they, out. They, they, it was just off camera. Of course it came up then. Yeah. Although they may not – the prostitutes may not know where the hell Yale is. They might not, that might not even matter to them. They are in Italy. Um, so he talks about how great of a trip it was, how, how some person in the Yale housing office put them in the same dorm. And who would know all these years later they'd still be in each other's life. I think that's pretty cool, man. Cameron says, it's fantastic to finally get to know you properly, Harper. Harper gives this look like, whoa. Like, I can't believe he said that. And he looks at that. He moves right on, though. Looks to Daphne. And baby, thanks for putting up with me. Then he cheers his friendship, travel, and the good life. And Daphne then says, next year, the Maldives. Sure. Yeah. I would pay to watch money of that disaster unfolding. It's going to happen. Is Maldives where the next season's going to be? I think that they're cool. Weirdly enough, I think they're cool. I think he's going to, I think Ethan's going to invest money with Cameron. I think they're going to go to the Maldives. I think they're cool. For the sake of my sanity, I kind of have to believe this is a house made of sand. But I don't know. 
These are not people I understand. So here's my question. If they do go if they do go to the Maldives next year, is it known that it's a wife swap situation, husband swap situation? Do we like or are they just going to pretend that never happened or are we going to revert right back to it? I don't think it can ever be out looking at Cameron and Daphne, I don't think it can ever be out in the open. I think it ha- I think it has to be illicit. I think it has to have an element of scoring. I think if it was just out in the air, I don't think they're ready to admit that any of them to themselves. I think it might be on the table again for Ethan and Daphne. I'm not sure it's on the table for Cameron and Harper. Harper seems to really hate uh, Cameron. Um, so then Albie tells Lucia to check her bank account. She gets excited and hugs him. <sighs> I'm just like, uh, when I'm, uh, yeah, this. I- I'm so done with him. It's just like, okay, well, I'm almost disappointed that he didn't seem to be hurt more by this later. Just like, please tell me you learned some aspect of a lesson from this. I guess sort of one of the more offensive parts of this to me, and I know I'm not making a lot of sense here, so sorry. Go on. Is is that he he white knights this. He's like, I got this done for you. Like, look at your yeah. bank account. Like, check it out. I did that. Like, your dad just gave this. You had nothing to do with it. You didn't make this money. You, it wasn't even from your bank account. Like, it, like, matter of fact, she was fucking your dad earlier in the week. Like, he is the one that did this. Like, I I don't know, man. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe at that age, I, I would have been the prick that Albie is. But I feel like the move is to go, well, my dad did it. Like, my dad gave you the money. Like, you did it. Like, it's not this me. Is like, this is like Wells Fargo just processed a wire coming into my account, and Wells Fargo is asking me to thank them with respect to doing that. It's like, you were a middleman at best when it made this happen. Yeah, and he's he's puffing his chest out, and like, check your bank account, babe. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm the, the hero. Worst. Yeah, cuts Tanya. She tells Quentin she's distracted. He again pats himself on the back for the Niccolo pairing, saying, I wanted you to have the most magical time in Sicily. It's the least I could do. Least you oh. could do for what? <laughs> giving her a pleasant day before her death. Yeah, but the un, the unwritten thing here is like that the Tanya never asks is like why why do you why are you throwing me parties? The, the, why do is, you feel the need to do things for me? You talked about things that don't necessarily make sense, but I feel almost feel like this is more in keeping with just the inherently conflicting nature of Quentin, or you know, just the wheels within wheels. This just seems like such unnecessary exercise going into all of this. If their plan was to kill her, man, they could have done that easier and simpler and with with less well, to tie them to. Uh, no, I don't think so. I because I think what they're going for is the narrative of this American came to Italy and partied too hard. We now have a house full of house guests who saw her overly drunk, doing cocaine, being crazy. And then the next day she shows up, you know, she fell overboard. That's the story. She fell overboard. She's got alcohol in her system because we continue to have her drink through the day. And she's got cocaine in her system from the day before. It stays in your system for about 48 hours. So they have a whole – that nobody's going to get in trouble for this because they have, they've painted this entire backstory. So they're painting it like a Natalie Wood kind of scenario where she, she fell off the back of the boat and was found dead. And no one can explain what happened. She's just too, but she partied too hard. She just partied too hard. She wasn't, she wasn't used to it. Uh, very possible, yes. Still think they could have done it easier, but I think they didn't want to make it easier. I think they wanted it to make it art. Tanya, yeah, that's a lot. That's probably very true with Quentin. Tanya says, no, I don't want to go. I'd like another glass of white wine. Quentin tells her they have all the time in the world. They push another glass of white wine toward her and light a cigarette. Cuts Ethan and Harper. They get back to the room. Harper takes her shoes off. Look at Ethan. Says, Ethan, what's going to happen to us? 
he walks over and they just have sex. Okay. This, that is what happens. And the question I have to ask, both from this scene and what we see of them at the airport later, are they good? They're good. Or is, th- is this just waiting to be a problem later? They're good. What, what the, what the show is saying, you keep talking about in previous episodes, you talked about what characters say versus what show is saying. Sure. I'm telling you what the show is saying is that they're saying that a lot of couples operate on a scorecard. And that well-meaning couples, couples who are really smart and really successful, they revert back to this basic childish shit, which is, Mm -hmm. you got me, I get you. And what they're saying is that when Ethan was able to get her by going and having sex with somebody else, he was okay. And I don't, I'm not, I don't operate that way. I hope I don't. I don't think I do. Like, I don't want to. I think that I think that a lot of what the show does is they're trying to show you the ugly, right? And the ugly yeah. of the relationship is sometimes it's as it's as simple as you pulled my hair, I punch you in the face. Now we're good. And I, it's one of those things of where I agree. It's what the show is portraying. I don't think the show is portraying it in a positive light. And I think the no. show is in some ways suggesting that it is going to leave. They are in the early stages of what Daphne, Daphne and Cameron are now. And I think it the just gets easier. Airport, I think the framing of the airport shows that later about they are in day one. Cameron and Daphne are at year 12. It's what, it's what old Stanley told Jim. It just gets easier, Jim. <sighs> it just gets easier. You, you cheat once. It just gets easier, Jim. I think that's honestly, I think that's it. And that's why I, I do think they'll go to the Malvi now these next year. And I think that Ethan's going to have sex with Daphne when he's there. Like, I think it's just going to be a thing. Like, and I, I, I think you're right. I think they're saying that this is, yes, Right now, they they appear good, but it's this like poison in the well. Yeah, damn succubus um, couples. They just get you into things. They did, yeah, I know. Well, the, a read on it is could be that Cameron and Daphne completely destroyed their marriage. That could be a read. Uh, so during the during the sex, they break the bust of the head that Ethan kept looking at the whole time. That Rocco Symbolic, explained the to them the day one what it was. Yeah, that 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 move, that part of the writing room, back to the freshman in high school. <laughs> Um, that guy got some not, great work this season. Let's give him some credit. And he continues his work with a not very subtle shot of Mount Etna erupting as the cut. Look at that. Let me see Lucia kissing Albie. She thanks him. They start hooking up. Then Dominique calls his ex-wife and guess what, Spencer? She, Aunt Laura Dern is back on the show. Laura Dern's back and she answers. She And she, by the way, completely different tone. Completely different. She's it, not shaking with rage. It, it, it's, it's almost, it's tired. It's 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 almost worn out. Maybe an element of resigned, but there's not an, there's not an ounce of rage going into it. No, she, I don't think that she's all the way back by any oh, stretch. God. But but it's a different it's a different tone. She answers. She, she can't talk right now, but she does want to talk to him when he gets back. So I just wrote in all caps. So you're telling me there's a chance? Absolutely, that is the line right now. That's the expression on his face too. Cut to Harper and Ethan going at it. Get right game. Never underestimate the power of the get right game, Spencer. It's huge. It's massively important to get right game. Didn't didn't help with our season this year. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. That's it. See, that's where you're wrong. We've we've now won two straight. The team looks good. I, I use that example for a reason. It's a, that, that that exact sure. thing has happened to our basketball team. Get right game. That's what's happened to Ethan. Ethan's back in the game. Thank you. Short term. Don't forget solutions. to tap. Thank you, and don't forget to tip Daphne on the way out. God. Cut to Jack and Portia. He just stops the car. Why did we stop? I thought he was, I thought he was going to kill her. I, I, I was seriously concerned, and Portia should have been too. 
take take the gun, leave the cannoli. I thought that's what's happening right here. Oh yeah. Um, he said, uh, but one thing is happening though is you can hear the airplanes going off in the distance. And I thought that I had, I had a little glimmer of hope there. He gets out of the yeah. car, he just looks around and lights a cigarette. Jack, where are we? He says, we're not going to Terramino's Catania. The airport's just that way. Catania, by the way, where Lucia's from, um, says, do you want my advice? Don't go to the hell toe. Don't wait around. Just get on your flight tomorrow and get the fuck out of Sicily. These are powerful people. You don't want to fuck with them. I know you're smart. All right, smarter than me, so just don't be stupid. He gets in the car and takes off. Spencer, do you think he was told to kill her? I think he went off script. I think either was told to kill her or was told to place her in a situation where somebody else would do it. The I agree. There could be a mafia involvement here. We, it's implied there might be some involved. Yeah, I, sure. I very much think that he saved her life here by going off script. I do too. I think he actually likes Portia, and I think that he, he, that this is a, this is not a Quentin plan. No. This doesn't have any trappings of the Quentin plan. The show up five blocks from the airport and tell her to walk there in the middle of the night and just sleep there until the morning and not not go back to the hotel. That has all the makings of a Jack plan. Yes. Because it's just that <laughs> old like ad hoc. It's a Saturday. <laughs> yeah. It's just real random, right? I think that he went off script and I think he saved her life there. Okay, um, with him. Off walks Portia, more met Mount Etna erupting, cut to Quentin. He says, well, it's about that time. What can you say? This is the thing that Spencer always says to me when we're hanging out, by the way. Well, it's about that time. What did you say? God, I didn't realize it. I do say that, don't I? It's about that time, right? I'm uh, not right planning Lee? on killing you with hot Italian mafia guys. About, about time we uh we can cut this short. I've heard heard you say, "Hey, can I tell you something?" About too many times tonight. Um, mm. Tanya goes to use the restroom, and now all of a sudden the group is not looking at her softly. Mm-hmm. A lot of hard looks. Tanya, hero that she is, Thinking grabs. Fast. Grabs Nicola's bag and runs to the bedroom. Why? Well, she knows that Nicola has a gun. He showed it to her when they were hooking up the night before. She searches all through it, finds it. She's knocking uh, on the door. First, Nicolo. He does not seem pleased. Other ingredients in the bag. A tarp and a, some rope and I think some duct tape. This is a murder bag. This is all the hallmarks of a murder bag. You think he was going to murder? I, it's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff that could be used for dealing with a body. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um... I mean, it also could be used for um, taping up keys of cocaine because he's, you know. That's a lot of rope for, for, for the purpose of cocaine. Again, it's very well, possible. Look, what about, your, what about your Tolkien? Always keep a rope, Spencer. I mean, what? come on, Samwise Ganji. There is a Samwise and there's a Nicolo, and the two of them don't exist in the same Always hemisphere. Always keep a rope, <laughs> Master Frodo. <laughs> that was well played, sir. Bravo. You, you, Tanya raises the gun, just starts fucking blasting. Just blasting Half like blind crazy. Too. Not even looking where she's going. This is it's absurd. It's absurd. It's it's satire. It's it's they're fucking around. They're not they folks, please don't take White Lotus that seriously. And by the way, please don't take this podcast that seriously. We're just fucking around. It's a joke. She successfully kills three people? Three people. Because because Nicolo gets it right in the face. Because he's the one knocking on the door, I think. Mm-hmm. It seems like Quentin starts to run away and get shot in the back. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, DDA gets shot running toward it. Yeah. And one of the high-class guys gets away, as does the captain. <laughs> you are something else. Uh, Dan, let me see a cut to... Because uh, uh, they, they're just showing her face, right? And it's preposterous. And then we cut. We see that. Uh, as Quentin is bleeding, Tanya, this is what she asks. Is Greg having an affair? Is Greg having an affair? 
God. It never got deeper. It never got deeper than that. Not she's not a deep good. woman. Not I, a deep woman. She's about to be deep, but she's not a deep woman. <laughs> I, I I love... The, I mean, the actor's dying. He's playing dying. You can almost tell he's still annoyed that this is the last thing he's going to hear before he dies. Unbelievable. Yeah, he is. He's just irritated with her. You could tell. He's like, ah, this is the shit I got to hear right before I die. Quentin just looks up at her with wide eyes, starts bleeding out from the mouth, and he dies. Then the other guy comes out from behind the couch. She shoots at him, by the way, but she's out of ammo. Which is cold-blooded. Um, yeah, she was going to kill his ass. Like, she should... Like, this would have been murder. Like, a strict... Like, if a police officer was watching all of this, mm-hmm. they would have said that she used excessive force, I would say. Yeah, she might, she might have an excuse from a very heightened emotional situation where she's basically been kidnapped. But it's going to be, you know, some category of a justifiable homicide. She's still killing some asshole. What was the name of the, the American that the Italians held over there for so long for killing her roommate or whatever? Oh, um... Amanda something? Amanda uh, Knox, yeah. yeah. So this would have this would have been an Amanda Knox. Our poor oh, Tanya gosh. would have been. Would have, it, Biden would have had to have been exchanging people for her. It would have been a mess. It would have been a mess. Think from the captain's perspective. He was just traveling, dri- driving some nice people around, and suddenly the American just started shooting. Because what else do Americans do? <laughs> this rich, entitled American just shooting people on a damn yacht. Picture he, he from writes Texas. Itself. Writes itself. <laughs> she was from Texas. <laughs> Wasn't even, she didn't even think it was illegal. She, yeah. You could show, you were allowed to do this. Uh, so she's not, now she, she, that guy runs away. The captain runs away. Now she's seemingly alone on the boat. Now this is where it's just Tanya because there's no reason to do what she's doing. The, the, there's a, A, just stay on the boat, call the police to explain what happened. Go down to the bottom to try to get to this dinghy. No, none of that happens. What does she decide to do? See, she's gonna swim. Jump. She's going to jump. It's not that far. No, she's going to jump. She's going to jump into the dinghy. And w- what happens? A completely farcical situation occurs. Where she she slips, hits her head, falls in the water, and dies. And R.I.P. Tanya, you had a hell of a run. Hell of a run, my dear. And credit to your brother. I will always love co- you. Credit to your brother for calling. It was a female corpse. I was... I did not think at any point, but he had it right that it was Tanya all along. You're you're right. Yes, yes. Shout out to my brother. He did call that it was a female corpse um, that was floating in the water. I think based on the ankle, he did some ankle analysis. It was, it was ankle analysis. Yeah. Look at that ankle analysis. Um, forgotten so sciences. Then we see Tanya in the water, unconscious, drowned. R.I.P. Tanya. Cut to the next day. We see Lucia, and she's just bailing. Getting the fuck out. She looks around, sort of smiles, sort of looks down, has that little second where you think maybe she feels a little bad. And then she leaves. And when Albie wakes up and sees all her shit gone and the door closed, it hits him and he falls back in the bed like Instantly, yeah. It it hits him so fast, I'm almost thinking that he had an inkling at the back of his head that this could happen. Of course he did. He's a mark, but he had to think this was an option, right? I don't know. He's such of a mark. I didn't put it past him that he may not have even pondered it. But this suggests yeah. he had. Cuts to the plane and we're at the Italian airport. Dominique, Galbi, and Burton are all in line. A beautiful woman walks by. Whoop. Whoop. All three turn and look. It's like a scene like uh, from like 19, early 1990s New York construction guy. Oh, yeah. Where they all in the Doing line turn calls. and look at Cindy Crawford as she walks by or whatever. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same. But I think what they're telling us here is what I was suspected all, all dogs. along. Which Albie's just a dog. He's just a different kind of dog. He's just the he's 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 the quote educated, you know, went to Stanford, went to all his feminism classes, 
but still lives on the same currency that Bert lives on, which is it was a good vacation if I found a woman, right? Because he was more interested the entire time at chasing Portia, chasing Lucia than anything else, than seeing family, hanging out with his parents, sightseeing, buying gifts, doing anything else. It was the currency of women, which is the same thing we know Bert runs on. As you said, he was trying to do it through a very much a mindset of I'm above that, I'm respectful, I value them as individuals, I'm, you know... Going at this but his, completely that was his whole vacation. Yeah, it's a great point. Is that he, if it were not for Bert, he would have done nothing other than just, pardon the phrase, chase tail the entire time he was in Sicily. Yeah, Albie's just, he's just a creep like everybody else. Um, then we see Portia who looks to be getting sunglasses and a new hat. She's hiding. She's, she's going into the incognito Portia. It, it, it's delightfully incognito. It also is somehow still very in keeping with Portia's style throughout the entire damn show. I'm glad she carries her passport in her purse. Uh, I did keep it at the Good hotel. Uh, then we see uh, Harper and Ethan sitting there. Um, uh, also, logically, if, if five-star hotel, if she'd called and said, hey, I forgot my stuff, could you deliver it to the airport? Probably would. This, there's been multiple times in this podcast where you have assumed a level of service at a five-star hotel that you might not be wrong, but it does make me question if you've ever actually been to one. No, I've already told you. They don't let my kind in. Yeah, because like... I just assume unicorns and just lollipops everywhere. Because that right there, you might get them to do, but I, pack your shit and bring it to you. Like, that's tough. That I don't know that you're going to get them to do that, partner. It, it's one of those things... No, it, it is one of those things that if a guest actually asks that, asks that, it's not on the, like, you know, the list of things they do, but they've probably done it before for some really entitled guests. Maybe, but I... I've, Uncle Lee to the kids, please do not ask a hotel to ever do that for you, no matter how nice nope. it is, because they're likely going to tell you no. They, you may, you may, you, you may hit the lottery, but you might get a might get a no. Um. So then uh, <laughs> we see Portia walk up to Albie. Oh no! Well, first we have that scene that you talked about, which is um, Harper and Ethan sitting there. They look a little like glazed, but then you see. Um, uh, or Harper and Ethan seem happy, but Cameron and Daphne seem a little glazed, basically. Well, he, he's staring off with that same kind of angry expression, and she kind of goes up to, like, calm him down and bring him back into the moment, whatever else. And then it cuts to the other side of the bench, and the two and Ethan and Harper Lovebirds. Lovebirds. Utter lovebirds. And I'm looking at that going, oh, that is two sides. That, that is a transition in time we're watching right there. They zeroed out. They zeroed out the ledger, Spencer. That's all relationships are. Don't you know that? Uh, as you say, maybe it's what the show's telling us. Then we see Portia. She walks up to Albie. <laughs> we knew there was going to be a reunion. We knew it. If there was a reunion. We called it. Let's give, let's give fairness. In some ways, these two have had an arc this season. They oh, have, yeah. They have gone places and they have developed as people. Yeah. Um, so she says, where's your, he says, where's your boss? She says, she's not answering her phone right now. That's true. He says, oh, did you hear one of the guests drowned at the hotel? Portia. Uh, he says, yeah, they don't know who it is, but they found a bunch of dead bodies on the yacht. Uh, so he says, how was Palermo? She says, not great. And the guy, he's deranged. And the girl, yeah, she played me. But it seemed like Albie wasn't that concerned. Well, it wasn't his money. Yeah, but like still, like you, you previously in this episode, like indicated that you thought like, he might be like crushed by like the Dominique shouldn't do it because it would like crush him, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. He seems like he doesn't give a shit, which is, so, which is so interesting. Yeah, she it, played me. It, it factors into what you said about just the DeGrasso family mindset. I was like, eh, yeah, it didn't work out. 
That yeah, girl in every port. It'll be fine. Yeah, she played me. So she it, asked. It, it's, it's either very mature or very not. And I'm not sure which, which way to take it. So then, in a all-time underdog moment, she's like, can I have your number? And he's like, yeah. So they trade numbers. Spencer, this is how love happens, okay? You got it? This is how love happens. Okay. True love. Uh, Tell me the... It's earned. Tell me the amount of high-class gays that have to die on a yacht for true love to happen. This is is earned love. Is it two and a half? They just sped up what happens in real life, which is that guys think that they are going to find, you know, the guys, the women they see on Instagram and, you know, the Lucias of the world. And they find enough of them to learn that, not all of them, but a lot of them sometimes will maybe be manipulating them or at least using them for their own purposes. The woman will go off chasing soccer hooligans because they're fun and find themselves day drinking on a Sunday at 10 a.m. and wonder what happened to their life. And guess what? They fall back into each other's arms. This is love. It's earned. From a certain perspective, Albie may have you know, accepted some aspects of his grandfather's philosophy that women aren't necessarily creatures that exist on pedestals, that they can be capable of the same manipulations as we are or whatever else. Maybe he's learned that. Maybe he's gained a certain perspective from his experiences and will improve from it. Or maybe he's just more accepting of himself now. Portia, on the other hand, has realized that maybe the danger and excitement and everything else that she was seeking has risks attached to it. And somebody that is, you know, nice, friendly, and to a certain aspect safe might be more appealing to her than what she actually wants out of the world. Look at these two progressing. The only thing I know about Portia going forward is she will never say, I just want somebody who raises my blood pressure ever again. <laughs> nope. She had, she had she, her trip abroad. She's learned that lesson. Uh, then we uh, we get the best things in life for free playing as the winners of the White Lotus Season 2. Me and Lucia walk around town money and employed, living a good life. In, in terms of like the – End of show. In, end of show. We will talk about who won the most at the end, uh, here in a moment. Well, uh, let's start with best line of the episode. Do you have any uh, nominees for me? I got a few. Uh, okay, fire away. One, early one from Bert. I had a dream that we went to visit our relatives, and they turned out to be a bunch of banshees and chased us out of town. That tickled me for some reason. Cause it, partly it reassured me that Bert's going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> for it, sure. It, it, actually, in some ways, it's in the same keeping as that Albie moment at the end of the episode, because that's just the Degrasso mindset. Eh, you know, I invested all of this time and effort into this, and, you know, it didn't work out. Eh, fuck it. Um, <laughs> next one. This is coming from uh, Daphne. I don't think you have anything to worry about. I mean... We never really know what goes on in people's minds or what they do, right? You spend every second with somebody, and there's still this little part that's a mystery, you know? You don't have to know everything about to love someone. Little mystery? It's kind of sexy. I'm a mystery to myself. Honestly, I surprise myself all the time. I think you just you just do whatever you have to to not feel like a victim of life, you know? Just use your imagination. Mm-hmm. Well played. Yes. Also, excellently acted. Should have been on her Emmy nomination tape. She was unfairly not put on that list. Uh, I agree. I agree. Uh, Jack. Well, actually, no. uh, Portia first. Yeah, so you fuck your uncle? As you said. Man, wasn't expecting that line to hit hit so hard this this show. Followed up shortly by Jack. Well, I was going to show you around the island, but I'm not really in a mood now. This will just drive you back. Uh, I can just get a cab. It just takes a couple hours. You can't afford a cab. Anyway, my uncle made me promise to drive you. You don't want me to get in trouble now, do you? Just let me do my job, yeah? It's an intimidating shift as the character is suddenly realizing the game is up and is just not making an effort to hide it anymore. Why did he sound like Luca Brazzi all of a sudden? Let me do my job, okay? All right. Hey, come on now. 
we're in we're in Sicily. What do you want? You fall into a character role. Yeah, he did. Uh, he really did. He's like, yeah, let me do my job. Bert, Bert, uh, a little bit later. Our Achilles heel was our Achilles cock. It's like a Greek curse. Uh, Tanya, dear God, Tanya, is Greg having an affair? Tell me. I know you know. I tell me, dear God, Tanya, you just shot three people. Uh, Tanya's last words. We didn't focus on it, but you got this. <laughs> Punk. You've got this. She didn't I'm, get this. She didn't have it. Possibly my, the funniest line for me, the one I enjoyed most, is Valentino. In the kitchen washing dishes. Run. Just utterly, I was laughing my ass off in that God, line. She didn't play around, boy. She's she got a line for everybody. I, that, that's on my list. Which one are you going with? Best line of the episode. And I also think we can award best line of the series in the sense that it's representative of what this season, I think, was about, or at least the exploration that they were going for. Within characters, within relationships, dynamics and relationships, we never really know what goes on in people's minds or what they do, right? You spend every second with someone, there is still that part that's a mystery. I'm going to dot, dot, dot the rest and get to, I think you just, you just do whatever you have to do to not feel like a victim of life. Balance the scorecard. Well said, well picked. I think that's a great choice. All right, sir. I think it's time we select our best travel partners of the week, and then we can do our best travel partners of the season. Who is your best travel partner of the week? I can, I can give you my best and my worst. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll start with best. Mia, you, you said it perfectly, and I agree. Man, man alive, does she, does she improve her own station while also just making somebody's life fundamentally better? And to the degree you want to write that off as selfishness or, do you want, or, or straight up humanitarianism, Either way, Valentina has get reached a state that is she is tolerable as a human being a way I didn't expect that she was capable of, and Mia deserves credit for it. The definition of a Michael Scott win-win-win. The definition. Win-win-win, all the way around. Shout out, Mia. Um, You're allowed to so Mia, too, if you want. So Mia was my pick, but I am going to, this week, upset pick of the week. No one saw it coming. The book, the bookmakers all over the world are shocked. People are losing money left and right. My best travel partner of the week is Dominic this week. What? 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 You? You are saying I this? I Justify know. yourself, I you pod person. I'm the guy who said that Dominic was worse than the fucking dirt on your shoe. I, you here's did the thing. repeatedly. He comes through. He does it. He does it for. Uh, whatever reason you want, they give you a spaghetti against the microwave type of situation with the reasons. You can pick any of them you want to. Grab, I don't care. Rain man it. Ca- count the sticks. I don't care. But the thing is, he does it. He comes through in the clutch for his son, comes through in the clutch for Lucia, who he also likes. Like part of this is also he does like Lucia. He had a relationship with her. He knows her. He's talked to her. One of the best moments of the first episode is a kind of cute moment between the two of them. He comes through. Spreading the love. I like when I see I like when I see super, super rich people, the really rich is who I'm talking about. Like the Jeff Bezos of the world. I like to see them handing out, you know, moving that money around a little bit. I, he came through in the clutch. So I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it to my guy Dominic. Also Dominic because he gets a personal win. He gets a he gets a couple. Uh, he gets a I'm not going to ignore your phone calls and uh I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you later. Also, Dominic just all of a sudden now showing up, he's at the, he's at the breakfast, he's at the dinners, he's calm. He's not got prostitutes in his room. 
He's not he's not ditching dinner and ditching Albie like he was in the first look, episode. Look how far he's come. He's come a long way as Dominic, my travel partner of the week. I, I also think he, by the end of the season, man, it was a weird route to get there. I think he's got a much closer relationship with his son than when he started. Possibly yeah, his certain. dad, too. Both of them. He does. Dominic, like, when they get back, like, they're they're going to, regardless of what we think, I think these characters are going to talk about how great Dominic was on that vacation. They're, both of them are going to tell that story. They're, oh, man, dad was so good. Oh, yeah, my son was so great. They're going to tell that. They're, they're going to tell the story of like him, you know, standing up to try to protect, to protect uh, Lucia from the, from the angry pimp or whatever else. Make, yeah, probably make him a hero. Yeah, make it a heroic story. Yeah. You also rescued yeah, a whale. It, in make the it a nice children's a story. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Worst travel partner of the week. Can we just agree it's Quentin? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Although he does he does eat it. I mean, that's kind of tough he, to give the worst travel it. partner when he gets shot in the back. But he was arranging the scenario not only to murder her but to make it dramatic in the process which somehow makes it even worse don't make yeah. me the don't make me the subject of your own personal tragedy play i think it's quentin i, I think you could you could award it from afar to greg who's really the the awful the awful dr doom mastermind but behind the whole here, thing though. Right? he doesn't count yeah we don't see him um i really really hope we get loaded greg in thailand in season three because they're doing it in asia we know we're doing they're doing it in asia season i heard three. such yeah I hope it's Rich Greg acting the fool in Thailand with, with Tanya's money. That's what I hope. Give it I'm to with, me. I'm with it. I want to see it. I want some some element of comeuppance for taking Tanya out of our world. All right. Now I, now, I threw this bit on you kind of fresh. You didn't know it was coming. But the best travel partner of the entire season, who you picking? Can you give me a second? I want to hear from you first if you have one. Absolutely. Sure. So my best travel partner of the entire season is Mia. She, because think about every step of the way, Mia has been a G. She has, she's been buddies with Lucia. Mm -hmm. She helped Lucia do some jobs. Like, I mean, you know, we think we're people, a lot of us, we tend to think of it differently because it's like sex worker, but like, if she was just like helping install a toilet, we'd be like, yeah, she's awesome. She's helping her buddy with a gig. Like, that's in essence what she was doing. Right. When Mia was like hung over the next morning coming down off drugs, she was the one there to build her back up. She's 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 allowed the flower that is Valentina to bloom. Look at that. With all of that all that kindness in her spirit. She's landed a new job and the only person she had to screw over in the process is a guy who totally deserves to be screwed over. Like so the only evil that she did is on somebody who I think is fine to do some evil on. I feel 100% comfortable picking Mia as a travel partner of the week. She's also made Greg's trip. I mean, she's just doing kindness left and right to everybody. Or not Greg, um Bert's trip. She made Bert's whole trip. Like yeah. it's just kindness after kindness for Mia. I'm gonna go with a controversial one because it's a twi- it's a twisted one. It is a po- it's a problematic one. But if I you think pick we Daphne, can... I'm gonna swing on you. I'm picking Daphne. I'm picking you Daphne, saw, dude. She's the worst. I know. I, I love it... her, but she's the poison in the well, man. She screwed this whole thing up for everybody. She is, but she didn't have to be, and she's responding to other characters purely. Like when when she's talking with when she's bringing Harper out. To that, to Noda, whatever else, she legitimately was just talking to another person and wanting to be a friend. And she also took her to Noda. You have to go to Noda and stick another person. Gotta go to Noda. And we're going to Noda, by the way. Let's do a podcast she, from Noda. She's the only character on the entire damn show that's willing to talk with people emotionally. That's willing to actually, you know, discuss. Mia, Mia will. Mia will. But we that's. Didn't see I, it. We didn't. She see did it with close. Lucia. She did. 
we saw it a little bit with Lucia. I'll give you that. We saw aspects of it with Valentina. But you already picked Mia, so give me somebody else. I, I agree. I got okay. My Daphne was willing to talk with people emotionally. She was willing to propose scenarios by which people could come to terms with their trauma and their problems. She took them to fun, exotic places and fucked a couple of them. Sure. Uh, yeah, it, sure. And, and, we, and again, we can't forget Nodo. And also couple she of, showed... A couple of strongs. She's got a couple of strongs. Strong. <laughs> strong boys. Strong boys. A couple of strong boys. <laughs> so I think it's, it's an outland chance, but A, she will keep things interesting. No question about that. No doubt and about that. And the more time you spend with, spend with her, the more fascinating the exploration of her will be. So I would hang out with Daphne in a heartbeat, but I would hang out with her because I'm, I know myself. I'm comfortable with myself. I feel like I'm, I've done work on myself and I've progressed emotionally. Like if I was impressionable, I would not want to be around Daphne at all. Like that would be a real problem. Yeah. It'd be a real problem. But like if she tells me like, yeah, you just need to go fuck somebody to get back at your wife because she didn't wash the dishes or something. I'd be like, no, Daphne, that you're talking crazy now. Like we'd go back to normal. But, right? but I'll, I'll happily just spend some time with you and watch what the hell you exactly. get into. Like, so I think if you're like assured of yourself, someone like Daphne is like a really good, good person. So I, 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 my initial reaction was no, 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 because so much negativity happened based on her advice um, and probably a divorce somewhere down the, the line. Mm-hmm. Um but I think I could hang out with her for sure. Uh, also, Maldives. Herd's lovely. She's going there next they're gonna, year. They're, they're doing the Maldives. How about it? You got to go to the Maldives, man. Worst, worst travel partner of the whole show. We already picked Quentin, so let's pick somebody other than Quentin. Can we pick somebody just like consciously acknowledge that Quentin is probably the worst and pick somebody else? Greg. 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 Greg is an easy Greg has to be. Not I think he's worse than Quentin. Because I think he, honestly, I think he's manipulating Quentin's past emotions to make Quentin do this. I agree. I think I, he's he's the worst of everybody. There's not a single redeemable thing that Greg does the whole season that I know he, of. He's not great even without the murdery plot. He arranged a trip to Sicily and then leaves you on day three and just ne- you never fear get a phone call from him again. Think about what you just said. He's bad. Even if you don't think about the murder plot. <laughs> yep. That is what I said. And I stand Greg by that sucks. statement. Greg sucks real bad. And that's why I want to see him back in season three. So I can root against him. Because, you know, they're going to have some other, somebody else is going to die in season three. So. All right. Here's a question. I'm curious of your thoughts. We're pondering next season now. We've been a great season we went through. I've loved going each, through each step of these shenanigans with you. Season one, season two, we had one carryover character. Will that hold true for next season? And will it be Greg, though? I hope so. That's my, uh, you know, I think they're going to carry over at least a character from each season. I, I, I don't know that. I mean, I, you know, I thought it's going to be Tanya, so I, I don't know. The show's very capable of doing whatever it wants. But if I was the show, I, so I, I guess maybe the way I'm going to answer that question is I don't think I, I have any way to predict what the show will do. Yeah. But I'll say what I would do if I was Mike White is I would bring Greg back and he would be not the main character. He'd kind of be in the background and he'd be wiling out with all that money. Well, part of the reason I ask is that if they are going to indeed do the show next year in East Asia or South Asia in some shape or form, Maldives, we may see, we may see that our couples from hell once again. That might be what they're doing. Yeah, it might be. It might be. But that would be tough to bring back four characters. That's almost like a serial at that point. I'd be more interested to see them in five years than next year. 
I know because you you want you want to show everybody. Look at that. It didn't work. Look look at that. I look almost at, uh, <laughs> emotionally need for the show to say, no, this we isn't need, good. Stop. No, please. You need Ethan and Harper to, to split. You don't need a happily ever after. I need a fa- tells you. I, yep. I need a dark fable. I don't need a positive affirmation of this. Yeah, I don't know. They might just give you that it works, that that's what you're supposed to do. I don't know. Help God I help know. us I mean, all. This is a crazy-ass show. But that's the thing. It's a crazy-ass show, and that's why it's been such a damn delight talking about it with you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Spencer, any parting thoughts for our audience here on Season 2 for I, The White Lotus? I just wanted to fundamentally thank you when it comes to this. Every now and then, you pick a show that is so out of my comfort zone. It is so a show I would not pick, and I just have an absolute blast unpacking it with you week to week. And this show is now at the top of that list. Totally wouldn't watch this if you didn't encourage me to get into it. It's not my usual uh, category of shows, but I'm having such a delight when it comes to talking about it with you. Might be the most fun I've ever had on the podcast with you, and that's saying something because I have I have enjoyed every single podcast we do. And that uh, obviously it is because I wouldn't fucking do it because we don't make any money on it, so like I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Matter of fact, it costs us money because we have to build the website and everything. So uh, yeah, I I I have had more fun talking about this than maybe anything else we've done, and it's because. There's a lot to discuss. There's a lot of great writing, but it's also like, God, we don't have to take ourselves so damn seriously. It's it's a it, they do they do let you just laugh at the show. That is the delightful novelty when it comes to the shows because everything else is just various categories of drama. Even comedies are just doing various categories of dramedy nowadays. A show that you can just not take entirely seriously and have fun yep. with is such a breath of fresh air. Given what what, uh, what I usually watch, yeah. Okay, well, you know what, man? Thanks, man. I've, I've enjoyed doing it with you, too. And thanks, everybody, for listening. You know, the show, uh, it's brand new. We, we didn't do season one, so the Enjoy Your Stay podcast is, is new for the past couple of weeks, and it's just built every week. And now the, the listenership is, is, has spiked and gotten, you know, large for us. It's not large for, like, real podcasters, but it's large for us. We thank you all for listening. If you are enjoying it, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast because we're going to let you know about our future uh, stuff that we're covering, especially the next show we're going to do, which is The Last of Us, which is an HBO show that will debut in mid-January. We'll have the first episode on this podcast feed, so make sure to subscribe so you get that. Uh, also, rate and review us if you would. When you're reviewing us, I can't tell you what to do on the internet because anytime you do that, people tell you to fuck themselves. But uh, here's the thing. like We are doing this for fun. We don't get paid for it. Matter of fact, we spend money to do it. So uh, you know, if you want to just lambast us or something – Feel free to do it, but also feel free not to listen. You also have that choice. You know, you really don't have to listen because Spencer and I are going to do this regardless. Why? Because we love each other. We love the shows. We love doing this. It's a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will be back with you whenever it happens. Season three. Spencer, the Maldives. Gotta go. See you, everybody.